0: Hey everybody, Jimmy Pardo here from Never Not Funny, coming in hot. Show's right around the corner, but I gotta tell you this, this episode is sponsored by Mac Weldon. Now, you know the drill on this. I love them. I wore the Mac Weldon shirt just this past week on stage at the Zannies, and people responded to how great I looked in that shirt, and I do owe it all to the shirt. It's a magical shirt, the Mac Weldon. I like their underpants as well. Now, here's the deal. It's better than whatever you're wearing right now. Keep that in mind. If you go to macweldon.com and use the promo code PARDO, you're going to get 20% off. I mean this sincerely. People compliment the t shirt every time I wear it. They don't know anything about my underpants because that's my business. Just know that I compliment it every time I wear it. Macweldon.com, use promo code PARDO, get 20% off, and you'll start wearing something that's better than whatever you're wearing right now. Speaking of good stuff,
1: please don't take this person out
0: you want daddy to give you the business and you got it oh i didn't expect that no i reject your premise what is my name yeah turn your back i'll take a swing at you old man you've stunned me to silence sir my show my rules
2: on tape. It's the fastest hour in podcasting. This is Never Not Funny. Now, here's your host, Jimmy Pardo. Hey,
0: everybody, indeed. Yes, welcome to the program, episode 1912. I've just been told off the air that's an off-air conversation. Occasionally, it uh, leaks into an on-air, start at the top of the show uh, episode. I am wearing my Chicago White Sox shirt in honor of the Chicago Cubs,
2: I know it makes no sense whatsoever. The the you are bucking the historical trend of White Sox fans hating the Cubs. Yeah, you you're doing the more logical thing, which is like, hey. Not my team, but still my city. Still my city, and more importantly, good for baseball.
0: Yeah. And the, you know what? Truth be told, Indians are good for baseball, too, to make the World Series. Uh, it's, a, it's a neat series, and uh, by the time that uh, you hear this, I guess up, uh, games one and two will be in the books. Cubs will be up 2-0 at this point. Although the Indians have been great in the play, Cubs have been great in the playoffs, too. Everybody's been great. Wish everybody luck uh, in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, the two teams, the World Series. Uh, it was very exciting. Now, Matt and I just got back from Chicago. We were in the... Uh, did two shows at Zanies. One was jammed to the gills. The one thirty was jammed, and the uh, second show was ninety uh, percent full.
2: Very nice crowd
0: and great crowd. And honestly, we got hurt a little bit by the Cubs. I know that some people did not come pre gaming. Yeah, reservations. Was in uh, we were affected. Uh, there was some no shows on that second show,
2: and uh, it didn't seem. I mean, from the stage, I didn't. I, I didn't sense any. I mean, first show was phenomenal. Second show was also phenomenal. Also
0: great. The great Bill Left joined us for the first one. The legendary Steve Dahl for the second. Steve, real nice tweet from some guy today saying that he's a huge Steve Dahl fan. Never seen him that comfortable and relaxed. I'm paraphrasing. Nice. And it was nice to hear because it just speaks volumes as to what we're doing. Where a guy like that has been in
2: the business that long can come in and just and just slip right in. It helps that you've become friends with him and you've you speak to him. You've been on his show. Uh, well, I'm just saying he's familiar with our show. You're yeah. obviously uh, a huge fan of his, but there's a level of familiarity and comfort.
0: It was it was interesting to walk the Chris Farley line and not <laughs> and fanboy out a little bit. Yeah. Um And yet, at the same time, uh, you know, just have him be part of our show. And he told some great stories that he never told before. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was neat. It was great to have him there. But more importantly, it was great to uh, meet the fans afterwards. Uh, I'm sorry that the uh, meet and greets were so rushed. Uh, That's what happens when you try to wedge two shows in on an afternoon before they have to start the
2: real shows on a Saturday night. Yeah. And, I mean, I I love our fans. It's great that everybody lines up and wants to say hello. It's amazing. But that was, you know. It, sometimes we do shows, and well, I mean, maybe because Burbank is just a local thing, no one goes. But like the, the last Burbank show, I don't know, four or five people. <laughs> came that was and, about it. But the, but, but when
0: we did Burbank at the Comedy Festival,
2: yes, they it, all lined up to say true, goodbye. So, true. but this show was like that. It was like it felt like every single person in the crowd came by to say hello, which is really nice. Including really, the but, second show, I had my uh, all my family was there. Right. I interrupted you, you were saying. No, I just mean that that means the more people there are the we uh, we only had a certain amount of time right uh, and so we had to i hope people didn't feel like we were rushing them but we well know. i mean I, I listen i think everybody's a human being and
0: understands that uh yeah. you know they had that show a seven they have to do a seven o'clock show there on a mm-hmm. at zanny's and uh, which uh, was very uh boy you want to talk about no shows Yeah, good luck oh, good
2: boy. luck at the seven o'clock show going up against the
0: game six going up against of,
2: game six of the
0: NLDS at the exact same time as as first pitch yeah. i mean uh and uh but it was great we got on the uh, we ended up getting on the plane and uh oh i was gonna say my family came i got to see my dad and my brother and some mm-hmm. cousins and uh chick mcgee stopped by from the bob and tom show yep. he drove up from indianapolis that was very nice
2: as did brad wilhelm from, from bloomington bloomington yeah
0: and then uh, of course uh well i'm not gonna spoil it there's uh, the shows are coming up uh, there's yeah. some other uh, people that drove from st louis and uh, somebody uh, flew in from arkansas somebody came in from baltimore Detroit, Minneapolis, yeah, all over. It was great to see everybody, and uh, we have a lot. And then right around the corner now, we do have another Burbank show coming up on the November fourteenth. Uh, November fourteenth, and then uh, November seventeenth. Salt Lake City is
2: our next live date. Yeah. And then we can actually announce now we're going to be – the one after that is – not, not to interrupt, but we'll have plenty of time to say hello to the five people who come to oh, yeah Salt Lake City show. Oh, yeah. yeah we, can. we will do a second show in the lobby for the five people who want to say hello to us.
0: Yeah. yeah <laughs> I think we're going to have some time. To, Salt Lake's going to provide some time to meet and greet. Uh, and then – but we can announce now that on the uh, January – I think is the 29th, Matt?
2: That sounds right. January yeah, 29th,
0: we'll Matt and I will be back in Bloomington, Indiana. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, we hopes that the uh, the Chick McGee, I believe, is going to be coming to that one as well. Yeah. Uh, may or may not get uh, him on the stage. I'm not 100 percent sure on that right now. But uh, looking forward to that, to uh, comedy attic, as you, comedy would,
2: attic. you would assume we would be. Uh, it
0: is. Uh, it is, in fact. And it's a matinee. That's a matinee, too, on that Sunday, the 29th. And they, they do a package there where if you come to see me on Friday or Saturday Doing standing up comedy, you could buy like a double ticket where you get to see the stand up and then the the podcast as well. So, uh, Comedy Attic, I believe the tickets will be on sale uh, as we speak. Uh, there were they were uh, waiting until the Chicago show was uh, over to announce it wisely, business wise. Uh, you and I probably would have mucked that up in some way and <laughs> announced it at the exact same second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, some great live shows coming up, some other cities to announce.
2: Uh, but it was good to see my family, good to see all the people that drove up. And then, most importantly, good for me to finally see Hamilton. <laughs> that we'll, was the we'll main reason. We'll get to that. Relax. <laughs> we're talking about the plane first. Okay, let's talk about we the
0: get, plane. Well, because uh, I'm circling back to talking about the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, got to get on the plane, which uh, some a-hole brought their effing dog on. Mm. Yeah. The, not only was there a dog on the plane, which Elise brought up. Your beautiful wife, Elise, brought up me. Yeah. Uh, she goes Do you think it's a dog and i, go, I don't think it is i walked past
2: fucking dog right in my right in the aisle what so where was i saw we saw the dog as we were walking to the gate yeah uh, where did was it sitting near you it was no but here's what happened i think okay.
0: the girl next to me may be a uh a dog and or cat owner mm-hmm. and she was uh she was uh Covered lousy her. with hair right. right. hmm. and it was awful and i could i did not have a uh Right. And then I asked the flight attendant if they had one. After I heard a good old boy come on. Now, this guy comes on, Matt. You, <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't able to hear this. He comes on. He goes, well, aren't you the prettiest stewardesses on the airline? And she goes, and the woman very nicely goes, oh, thank you, sir. But you're showing your age. Uh, they call us flight attendants now. Well, they don't to, never mind. Flight attendant stewardess. <laughs> wow. And he goes, he goes, bottom line, pretty. Now, where am I going, little darling? Like he was like a, I thought he was what doing a character.
2: Fuck? Yeah, that is ridiculous. I can't believe you've been saving all of these tales. Like I didn't, you didn't even really tell me about the woman next to you. I knew you had an allergy attack, but well, the woman next to me also was uh, as the flight went on.
0: Uh, oh, you did tell me. This. May or may not have had trouble walking to her car. Like yeah. Yeah. like somebody should have taken her keys.
2: She even she enjoyed the. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, you said that because like we all the were sitting in different places. Elise was the furthest back. Uh, and so when she – like somehow I got off before this happened, but apparently – Somebody, somebody, this is ridiculous. she this is said, like, like, we were waiting. She was only nine rows behind me, and I was like, you know, eight rows behind you or something. No, you were six rows behind All right, whatever. I said, You were in first. Class. It certainly wasn't eight. Was that, was that worth an it? Certainly wasn't eight. No, uh, but the point is, uh, you were in first class. But... Hey, I have a question about uh, where you were sitting. That,
0: yeah. uh, you were in row 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that seat recline or was it, uh, it
2: did, It did recline. It was re- right in front of the exit row, but it did recline. Okay, good. Yeah, I was worried. About I saw that. that. I was like, Oh no, that yeah, was fine. All right, good. Uh, so apparently, so so you got off first, obviously. Then I got off, and then we're standing there talking, and it was like, what's like? And there was like a at least should have been right gap down. of people. Yeah, like, it was just suddenly no one was coming yeah, yeah. off, and then she comes out and says, uh, "Oh, you guys missed it. Uh, they had to make an announcement. Um, <laughs> someone fell asleep in the aisle, like walking off the plane. <laughs> 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 like it stopped. everything they're like, hey, excuse me, uh, could you? Uh, uh, we're just trying to uh, get everybody off the plane. you uh, Make sure you uh, uh, wait. Uh, make sure I don't want to disturb you, but if any, everyone could uh, wake up and uh, wake please." Up.
0: You, you're, that means you waited for you. You
2: stopped and leaned on the chair while somebody got but their luggage down know and you, fell asleep. I know you don't remember because you've been in first class for years. But no, I'm, I'm always am I'm in steerage. Back yet. in steerage, you do stand up and then it's like 15 minutes get, before you start moving. So I could see someone being tired. They stand up, they're ready to go. They got their bag. Maybe they're even sitting on their little rolling suitcase, and then they're just, like, waiting and waiting and just kind of goes nope. up. Conked was, I mean, it was 2 o'clock Chicago time when we got there 2 a.m. In, and there was or a, 1 a.m., I guess.
0: It was a night flight. no doubt about yeah. it. The person I was in row 3C, uh, three, uh, three, uh, I was in seat 3C, 4D, uh, 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 chose just to start moving. And I go, oh, we're not going to zip her then? That's what I said, because she, you know, you, you, let, right. you let the rose in front of you go. Like, how right. is, why is that even a question mark in anybody's head?
2: Why, why would you ever think, yeah. oh, certainly I should be going and, and get in the way of rows two and three? I also don't want, you know, again, this is borderline. Like, look, I I don't just until recently, I don't travel that much. Now we're traveling more for for. So now you're going to hear all of my flying on an airplane comedy routines that I I would have gotten out of my system 20 years ago Uh if I I had started doing comedy when you did. But uh, like, you know how like people... You're supposed to, like, yeah, every, it's, it's very clear when people are supposed to go. You're supposed to go in order. Or, and to that, I'm going to add to that. If you're on the left side of the plane,
0: and then you've got three on the left, three on the right. Yeah. If the three on the right are older folk or ladies, right. you be a gentleman right. and go, there you go, after you. Sure. That happens one out of 19 times.
2: Yeah. But here's the thing. If you wait until the person, everyone in front of you is already walking off to even start getting your bag down. You're just holding everybody up. You can get your bag down while people can are going. You? you? may not be able to sometimes, man. Let's not be
0: too harsh on that. There's... Uh, and by the way, you need to research what the term comedy
2: routine means. <laughs> uh, I was... I'm testing it out. I'm, I'm seeing if there's anything here. We'll, fi- we'll find out together. This is
0: Paul Reiser of <laughs> the Jennifer Anderson Water Smart Water again. <laughs> remember when you tried that bit out? And he, And it, it's like, flat, he goes, there's nothing there? There's nothing
2: there? I vaguely remember. Um, that. that was when his first appearances. Um, but that's... I'm just saying, that's what happened. The role... Like, this one and again you're right it's not a comedy routine it's just pure anger like <laughs> I could have just gone while she was pulling her bag down but I'm like but you're the road in front of me but she it's, may it's not have turn. had the
0: room to do that because the people in front of her may
2: have uh, blocked you the can aisle you be reaching while no! they start to go time it look there should never be a gap in the, there should, there, Mind should a, the gap. there should be a steady stream of of people walking off. there shouldn't be like a huge gap suddenly while because one person is like well let me get this down now reminder, there's children laying in rubble because bombs are dropping <laughs> and they are you having a tough time with the luggage yeah and those mm-hmm. by the way by the way by, I'm, I'm being funny i hate
0: those <laughs> assholes that are like oh are you guys having a tough time with your luggage there's people dying yeah of course yeah but that's not the premise of the show the premise is you you bring your complaints i bring mine we have fun we make right. fun of elliot who at uh, 12.56 today was on my shit list at 12.56.30. Everything's good to go. Yeah. Uh, Right? Showed up four minutes early. Right, Karen? Is that what we clocked him in at? Mm -hmm. And again, not early.
2: Still about uh, 12 minutes late. You you were heard. Jimmy was heard uttering at uh, 12.52. Really? After the tongue lashing I gave him? Still doesn't show up early? Boy, well, that paid off. That's what I thought. Uh,
3: but yeah. we've got one episode where I, where I was uh, here
2: on time. Oh, I guess on
0: Thursday. Oh, yeah. Thursday, yeah. yeah. yeah you were here sitting comfortably and waiting in your new coif. Uh, remember, his hair looked a little different on Thursday. It uh, did. Uh, it settled down now. On... Greasy. <laughs> Very what? <laughs> greasy. It did look a little greasy on Thursday. But it wasn't. I think it was conditioner. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'd probably conditioner. Uh, I have a question about this uh, airplane. Airplane. The
0: thing. And then, uh, yeah, the Back into Chicago. Go ahead. Yeah.
3: Uh, what do you think of my methodology, which is I basically wait for most of the plane to be empty before I even start my process, no matter where I'm sitting. Fine. I'm like, let me ask you a question. Uh, then you're my favorite person. Hang on, but no, but he's not. If you're
0: on the aisle and two people are trying to get past oh, you, oh well, no,
3: I'll let them if they want to go. I'll switch to the inside. But I'm usually a window seat, so
0: so you'll just wait till the, the plane's
3: yeah. empty, unless I'm unless I'm like at a connection or something.
0: I will tell you this. I'll, to speak to that, I will if I'm back in steerage, and even if uh, 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 up front. Mm. Uh, I don't feel the need to stand up the second oh that God, that bell why? goes off, because right. then, especially if you're in row twenty, you're standing in an aisle. All yeah, with your yeah. head
2: tilted. You know, yeah, it's, your it's head terrible.
0: tilted. You got somebody's bag in your ass. You got the other guy's uh, backpack in your neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so I'm with you. It's like I'll stay seated, and yet, and you can feel that. Like, if, you're, if I'm always on the aisle because I have a small okay. bladder, um, yeah, the two people like you could feel them going, why, "Why won't he get up? Why won't yeah. he stand up? Why is he not standing up?" You feel them doing that, but it's <laughs> right. like. You understand we literally have 15 minutes before it gets to us. <laughs> right. Why would why would you want to stand up and hunch over and hurt your uh, Some your of them might want right to
2: stretch their legs. Fuck well, sit down. On the way to Chicago, I had to put my roller suitcase under the seat in front of me. Which it barely fit So I, I sat the whole time With my feet On top of my suitcase Oh the worst oh, no. So I might Like I had to get up I didn't even have to go To the bathroom I would just, I was just getting up Every half hour Or 20 minutes Just to Thrombosis get, Yeah I, I couldn't risk it
0: Doesn't Jimmy Panko Play the thrombosis For Chicago
2: You would know better Than I would I know he's in
0: Calabasas Oh he's <laughs> in Calabasas Maybe if, uh, You know what I'm combining trombone and Calabasas Thrombosis You're right yeah, yeah, yeah. Really is that what you're doing Uh but we got to listen to the Cubs on the plane, which was great. I got to a yeah, view the World were, Wide
2: Web. You were saying beforehand, well, we were going to be flying while the game was happening. and You were bummed that you were only going to be able to see the stats update uh, via Wi-Fi. But then you actually found a radio. I was able
0: feed. to listen to the, uh, the via the MLB uh, application. I mm-hmm. was able to listen to the game. It was great. It was exciting uh, to hear them clinch that. I wish I had been watching it. But you know what? Second best thing. going to hear the great Pat Hughes announce it. He's a great. He, Pat Hughes, one of the best
2: baseball announcers in the, in the game. We did see the first two runs in the first inning yeah. before we got on. That was yeah something. It's
0: exciting. It's yeah. exciting to see the Chicago Cubs go into the World Series. It's thrilling. They haven't
2: been there in your lifetime, from what I understand. They've been there seventy years. Yeah, I'm not seventy. I'm saying they haven't been there in your lifetime. That's right. <laughs> Both like, of those things can be. True. Not even. I guess they were in my
0: dad's when he was a small boy, but no, he would never remember. He was an infant.
2: Right. That's what. I, yeah. Was because it was, was forty eight. Was it forty eight or forty seven that they were. I thought it was 43 years. So what would that make it? No, no, not 40. You mean 73 years?
0: What did I say? Yeah, 73, which yeah. brings it back to the 40s. That, oh, it's 45, right? Because that's when uh, Harry Truman was in office, or is it 46? God damn it, Gurren. 76. 45. Oh, oh, the year. It 40. 1945. It was, 45, yeah, it was 45,
2: but they were last, last in there. So my
0: mom wasn't even born yet. Yeah, that's crazy. And my dad was two.
2: Yeah. Loved the game. He tells me he loved it. Mm-hmm. No, he was two. He wasn't there. I was, th- I was just thinking, I was trying to think about, because I thought, for some reason, I thought it was 47 or 48. Uh, Hillary Clinton is also a Cubs fan. Uh, did you see the picture of her when she I found did. out they They're won? exciting. It was really funny. Um, and I was like, oh, so she's she, not a robot. She, <laughs> I was like, oh, she was just maybe a baby. But it turns out she wasn't born yet either because we know happy birthday to her this week. She turns what age? Up top. 69. <laughs> oh, you're over there. It's going to be a good year.
0: It's going to be a good year. This is the perfect year. Especially, I can't believe Trump hasn't brought that up yet. Yeah, he likes to grope and talk about push Right. <laughs> he, there was a surrogate, a surrogate of his, on the uh, MSNBC today saying, "I take him at his word. He, he does. He, he's not. He's not a liar. He, he lies about what he had for lunch. What are you
3: talking <laughs> he about? He Probably lied to you in your interview. Right. doing I mean, a job.
0: It's bananas. It's. Boy. And again, I don't want to get political. Uh, we've done enough of that on the show. But it's not about
3: politics it's, at this point. That's right. It's just. Right. demonstrate like you could say all politicians are liars but he will lie in the same paragraph
2: you're right and also like it's we're talking about him because of the election but uh and i guess maybe he wouldn't he definitely wouldn't be under as much scrutiny if he was just a a, a host of a thing
3: he hasn't been
2: but uh, <laughs> that's kind of true but but when he was just the host of the apprentice and he was sticking his nose in politics talking about uh you know obama's birth certificate um like if like if someone were lying that much who is in the public eye, regardless of what they were doing, you'd be like, what's up with this guy who keeps lying? right <laughs> like Yeah, because t- like, we were saying that at the time, like, we you know, people were pressuring Macy's to drop him uh, well, beca- that's true. because of that stuff, because he was lying about it. He was he was making up shit that wasn't true about President Obama uh, to try to smear him. And uh, it's the same thing now, just magnified by a million because he's got mu- way more cameras and microphones in front of him.
0: You know, I guess to that end, it is. It's like I am whenever I'm making I'm making fun of that guy. You know, I, I don't think I would. I, I know I wouldn't be this angry at uh, Marco Rubio or. Uh, Ted, I mean, I might for other reasons, but not not on this program. I know that for a fact. Right, I wouldn't be as vocal about them on this show because then it does because dive are, into
2: politics. Because that's the, their their issues. My issues with them are are ideological issues. Yeah. Um, I also have ideological issues with Trump, but beyond those, there's also just the question of like, dude, you're not, you're not not qualified. You don't comport yourself in the way that a, a president should just every, every metric you you're failing. Sorry. Well, hopefully he'll fail come November eighth. For the others, we of course here it on our show we support Donald well, he's Trump. T- he's still insisting he's going to win, win big. They <laughs> the Democrats are uh, fixing the polls. That's what this surrogate
0: was saying today too. He goes, he goes. I think when you finally see the numbers, and you know, it could come the night of November eighth, and when she has to concede, like, what do you? I mean, they're not wrong. If he won, we will, we will all be very, very surprised. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be shocking. That is Honestly, <laughs> that is an, he's not wrong. You're right. The Steve something was his name, Steve. I forget, it's Steve uh, with the want to say at any rate, uh great time in Chicago, yep. and you
2: as you alluded to, you finally had the opportunity to go see Hamilton, yeah, we talked about it a little at the Chicago show, but people won't hear those. I know like people were tweeting at me saying how was it was <gasps> obviously it's phenomenal it was amazing, oh you liked it, yeah, <laughs> turns out I like <laughs> it turns out I like Hamilton hang on, I gotta get a pill out of my pocket um i uh I listened to you know i I listened to the album so many times in the last four months or so. Uh, but I, but I, I, I had kind of started. I stopped myself from listening to the sort of end of it, and so that part hit me the hardest, just because it was it was not as familiar. Well, also, you know what, and it, it, it hits the, the hardest because you're now you're watching. Right. The end of it. Yeah. And, and not just hearing it. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot to be said the, one of the things that was most striking to me is like <laughs> that you get so much out of the album. I mean, the album is, is an amazing piece of work in itself because you, you really can experience the whole thing just in audio. But when you see it, then you have the added element of actors, acting you know they're they you you're getting facial expressions that are adding dimension to it there's there's amazing choreography that's adding a new dimension to it and so but but mostly it's a very you know everyone knows how hamilton's life ended and it's a very it's a sad story um and that's kind of why i never listen to the end of it in my daily life because it's it makes me too sad to listen to it but i was crying for the last five songs, basically nonstop.
0: It's pretty, uh, amazing, right? I, I
2: was just telling Ryan, uh, I've never. This has never happened to me before. I was crying so much. I had tears going down my collar, like into my shirt. Like it was going down my cheeks, down my neck, into my shirt. I was like, "What's this? Oh, my my shirt's getting wet from." Well, stop the it dim- from getting that far. <laughs> wipe it at the at your grin line, the dimple. At, at, at a certain point, it's just uh, it's a daily. Thank you, Garen. You wipe it at the dimple, don't you, Garen? Garen understands.
0: He, he cries it. more than any of us.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so he's quite familiar with the dimple rule, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, get out of the window! That's what I say to this. <laughs> but yeah, I just so like if you haven't listened to it at all, I, this is my new thing. Don't listen to it as much as I did because it's it's, it's hard. Or, or as much as I did, I, I don't yeah. disagree with any of that. It, it's the the first act. If you if you know it by heart like I do, then watching it, you find yourself drifting out of the story because you're so familiar with the words that you start thinking about other things, and that's not how you should watch it. You should maybe listen to do it a couple of times so you know because it's so dense if you don't know anything if you haven't never seen it and you're watching it you're going to be like overwhelmed by the amount of lyrics coming at you and and, uh, and the amount of everything coming at you but but don't go overboard if you can on the other hand i don't i wouldn't give back like i really enjoyed listening to it every time i listened to it yeah. leading up to that so like i i i wanted to the reason that's such a great one of the things that makes it so great is that you really want to learn you want to be able to sing along to it and that was the other thing watching it i was like i just want to jump up and start singing you can't and you're not this allowed to theater, do that sir. i was told that you should not do that it's not a concert so, so i chose to stay in my seat and just bang on my leg because
0: you were terrific you wore a sport coat you wore a tie i mm-hmm. saw a photograph of you out at the train station yep you took the train in from the uh, hotel into the city
2: yeah and that was great yeah it was perfect because was friday rush hour traffic we saw the the gridlock as we zoomed by you did on the train yeah wonderful yeah, it was, it was a really nice, really nice night. Uh, Elise and I uh, had a great time and it was, uh, I said this at the show and I want to, I'll say it again. I you know, part of the reason I was able to spend way too much money on those tickets is because of the fact that we sold out the the uh, one and most of the second show in Chicago. So thank you to the fans for helping me supplement uh, your weirdness.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it
2: was really, you know, people who know people who are obsessed with Hamilton like I'm or if you've ever been obsessed with anything, you understand uh, yeah, again, I flew to New York. I yeah, know no, exactly I know, what you're talking about. I know you about. understand. I mean, I'm just trying to express to people who, who may, might not be in the same boat. It, you know, you, you make choices. You have, you know, you have priorities. And I chose to, you know, not really go to other concerts for the next six months so that I could afford to go to this. Although you did drag me to Rick Astley, which we never talked about. We haven't
1: talked about it I don't.
2: I don't like this
0: characterization <laughs> that I dragged you to it. I asked you if you wanted to go. You said no. I then said, oh, I misunderstood a conversation. My apologies. I thought you said you were interested in going if you ever came back into town. You said, I did not say that. I said, okay, very good. I then said, that's cool. I'll ask Danielle. I asked Danielle. Hey, Danielle, I got Rick Astley tickets. Oh, yeah. You forgot about the part where you bought two tickets. I went, I bought two tickets. And I said, I got Rick Astley tickets. And my wife says, have fun. And I said, (laughs) oh, you don't want to go? No, I do not. I go, seriously? I think it'll be fun. Not for me. So then I said to you, hey, Daniel doesn't want to go. And you go, you know what? I'll go. It sounds like it'll be a fun, it'll be a
2: fun story. That, that's how that went that's, down. That's true. That was not me dragging you. Well, well, you, you but I, do you want me to pull up the text? It's a way back there, but I, I could find it. Basically, you said, uh, well, Danielle has no interest, so you're coming to Rick Astley. I did not say that. Jokingly, uh, but still. It, it, first of all, it, it was 100% joking if I said that. But you're right. I don't even remember saying that. You're not wrong that I did the calculation. And I'm like, well, this will be like, look, he... He's a great singer. I'm not going to deny that. I don't really care about his catalog, but I know he's a talented guy. But mostly, to be honest, and we don't do this that often, but every once in a while, you and I uh, will have a conversation or, or there'll be a, a situation where we go, you know what? We could talk about this on the show. So right. the, there's, there's that to it. Once we were there, and I'm not taking anything away. I mean, the guy was great. And, and the, like you and I both said, like he did a, a few songs from his new album, which neither of us were familiar with. And they were great. Uh, let me. In fact, if I may, he opened up with a song
0: uh, that I, I don't want to give it away, uh, but I, uh, I was into it. I was into it from the get go, yeah. like because so, the band started. And the band was terrific. Can you just sing a couple bars of the? So the band.
2: So he, it starts out with him offstage going, "Can you feel it?" <laughs> and then everybody gets excited. They're just, Can you feel? It? And by the way, no opener. There's no opener at this concert. They don't need it. They don't, you don't need. Ashley doesn't need any kind of warm-up. So then he walks out, and you go, "This old house."
0: In, in this old house, in Maine yeah. And i would never heard the song, but it's—I mean—the the, the basis was great. Yeah. Everything about it, it's it got that great funky, and I'm a sucker for that. Paul Young, Daryl Hall, white—you uh, know—blue-eyed soul. Yeah,
2: I love it. And Rick Ashley is right there, and he's 50 now. He's not a child anymore. But, Sounds great. But from the balcony, doesn't look a day over 38. Looks terrific. Yeah, I mean, he's and front row balcony—that's very clever. Word. <laughs> and. uh so he comes out and goes, This
0: Old House. And he's singing this song. And it's called This Old House. And this old house. And it's great funk. And Matt, and Matt sees me grooving to it. <laughs> and Matt goes, Do you know this one? I go, No, I don't. <laughs> and he goes, But I like it. And Matt says, you know who loves this song? Who? Bob Vila. Bob Vila. <laughs> what a great fucking joke at the Rick Ashley show. And I laughed at it and then right back into the group. Right back into the group. Didn't miss a beat. It was great. And then he, there was not, what was second? Second was together, together forever. forever yeah. And then a strong, strong man, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think so. And then some more uh, from the new album, which I ended up buying after the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, terrific.
2: He's got some great, and he did like six, I think, from the album. And then we were puzzling over the fact that there were eight mic stands off to, f- to one side of the drum kit, and we we're like, what? especially after the the band comes out, and then there is still nobody at these eight mic stands. We're like, well, what, what are those for? And Jimmy thought maybe horns. Well, I thought horns because of the way that they, from our vantage point, it looked, they looked like, like yeah, they looked they like angled. four were high and four were low. Right. So okay, they're going to back up sing and also right. and uh, and his songs have horns in them. Yeah. So that would be saxophone a, would be a good thing to have. But then yeah, phone. Like, like it wasn't even until like eight songs or nine songs in they bring out uh, a choir basically. You
0: like a four man choir or
3: an eight man? Eight,
2: eight, yeah, eight person choir. Five lady, three good dude, three good dudes, <laughs> and they were great. They and, were great. And his backup singer, I said this to you at the time. We haven't really talked about it since then, but he has beyond the eight people that were just local to L.A. He has a, a, a female backup singer who's basically like he's like duetting with her yeah. on, on certain songs. She was like, I honestly wanted to see more of her. She was unbelievable. She was great. And, uh, and it was great. Their chemistry was great. But yeah, she had just one of those like knockdown you know, the kind of voice that just like blows your hair back. And I should know because my hair is constantly sticking up. <laughs> he also, let's say that he he gets
0: it. He has a sense of humor about himself. Yeah. He said up front, I don't do the dance anymore, but then he kind of did it for fun. Yeah. At some point, somebody uh, Rich, sit down and shut it. At some point, uh, somebody handed him an album from when he was a kid right. and he kind of did that weird, like he walks across the stage yeah. holding <laughs> it and pointing at it. So he gets it. It was Fun, yeah. I recommend again. I'm a sucker for that blue eyed soul, so you should go see it. Uh,
2: I'll just say one other thing. Go ahead. It's, it's it was a little weird to be two heterosexual f- man friends at a show that's very clearly for lovers. Like, it's very clearly, I, I don't know if that's for lovers. all the songs are romantic. There's 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 couples all around us on date night, they're embracing, they're dancing together Not the two guys at the end of our aisle well there was there were two uh i don't know how else to say it i'm sorry if it sounds wrong to say it but they basically they they looked like migrant workers basically <laughs> <laughs> and um, like it was so confusing as to why they were there uh, they did not stand up once. They, I they did not seem. To, they had better seats than we did. They did not seem to want to be there or enjoy themselves there. Huh. Uh, it was very odd. We, they, we saw them before it started. And we were like, what, what's up with these guys? And part of me was like, wouldn't it be great if once it starts, they're up on their feet? But no, they just sat there with their hands like in their laps the Except whole time. Except when I walked past and I kicked over their beverage <laughs> or whatever I did. There was a, you, you, yeah.
0: And uh, and I said, oh, I'm sorry about that. And then in a, in a as if they were VO guys, no problem, friend. I'm like, wait, what? No <laughs> Nobody expected those voices to come out
3: of you guys. Why
2: were they there? I, Why I, were they there? Just, Contest winners? It, it seemed like maybe an office. Like there were tickets, and some you know the, the office got tickets, and I like, sure. don't want to go to Rick Astley. No, give them to the gardener. <laughs> no, I wasn't even going to go that far. I was just saying they got. You call them migrant workers? Well, that's what I was trying to describe their appearance, but I don't there's think there's no that's, doubt that they get out there and they plant. <laughs> That's what these guys are about. I just think that they won the tickets or were given the tickets by somebody I don't disagree with, any with of that. and they were just like, "Well, this or they happened to walk by the Ace Hotel. What's this?" <laughs> and just wandered in.
0: That you know, that said they stayed for the entire like they didn't even bail at any point. They stayed the entire yeah. show. Yeah. Maybe they were enjoying it on the inside, I don't know. I know I was enjoying it thoroughly. I got up on my feet at some point. During cry for me
2: cry for help. Great song. Even though I, like I knew more of his songs that I thought I would. And, uh, but I still, you know, obviously didn't know some of them. Uh, and I like his, song. I'm not like a fan. I never bought any albums of Rick Astley, but, um, but he did do Uptown Funk. And I do, I feel like that probably was the highlight. For How me. about
0: a nice, I was going to say the cover of
2: Uptown Funk yeah. was, I'm going, to, I'm going to quote myself phenomenal. And I don't even know if that's just because I, that song, maybe it's I, a great song. It's a really, he, really good the, song. Again, the band is great and they're very Singer's good. good
0: and yeah. he's great.
2: Yeah. And he did a couple other covers, but that really to me stood out as like, 100%. now I'm, now I'm into this. I like, don't disagree. Yeah. And then they did that ACDC song in the Encore, which you pre- knew was going to happen. I know a lot of what you, goes on at these you, shows. You spoiled it for me. Uh, you know why? Because I didn't really think he was going to do it. <laughs> I yeah. thought it was
0: something that he brought out when he did like a private show at the Troubadour or a small yeah, okay. show at the Troubadour. So then when he did it, it was like, oh, and then I went online and it turns out he does it like eight out of ten shows.
2: And he gets behind the drum kit for Plays it. the drums,
0: Rick Astley. It's crazy. Nobody saw him behind the drum kit. <laughs> but that was good, too. It was
2: great. It was fun. They were having fun. They're having a good time.
0: All right. Rich Scheider's walked in comfortably. He's wearing the hat in case he's got to get back out to the cab. Uh, He's probably got a fare out there. Looks good. I read it. Rich, I read the book. I thought you'd bring. I forgot it. I was going to bring it and hold it up. I thought maybe you'd bring one as maybe a guy trying to promote his book. Thought maybe you'd be smart enough
4: to do that. You chose not to. You don't want to sell any books? Yeah, I do. I do, man. I did. I didn't realize. You know, I I don't really think of promotion that well. Yeah. So I walked out of the house. I drove over here and I went. Yeah, I should have brought a book. And as soon as I come in, first thing you can do is bust me. Oh, so We're you're. Not, saying, right, but- I, yeah, I was aware when I got out of my car here. Oh, I don't have a book. Do you, you don't have one in the car. The chance no, a fan no, I, sees you it, on Ventura Boulevard. I, I was smart enough to realize I was still standing by the car that I could have, <laughs> eaten, if there was one in there, I could have gotten it. I see. That. So still no. No.
0: Now, I, I noticed from your, uh, was that him on the phone, uh, Garen? Yeah. Uh, from you calling in seconds ago that maybe you live in the area. Are you close enough to go and grab
4: one? Uh, I could be back in 10
0: minutes. Nah. <laughs> Just trust us. He's got a book.
4: Yeah, it's a good book. Kicking the ashes. Kicking through the ashes. Mm, Kicking the ashes is quicker. Maybe it should (laughs) have come to me. Now he's re- now he's renaming the book. Yeah. You didn't bring the book, might as well just rename it. Damn right. <laughs> uh, now You're Rich. so bad at promotion, that you don't even have the right title.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, I got the right title. You yeah. do right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, re- uh, all right, let's take a break. Rich Schneider is here. Rich is a guy who, uh, when I started, was one of the guys I looked up to. That's the truth, Rich. Well, and you probably hear that a lot from my generation. Yeah, guys, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Man, don't get cocky about it. <laughs> no, like no, but I mean, moment. you
4: know, the guys were coming up and I was there. I appreciate the fact that I just kissed your ass and <laughs>
0: take it like that as opposed to going, yeah, yeah, I get it every day. Maron's on the back of the book. You know, nothing does uh,
4: fucking piss me off you know, because you got Marin on the fucking. Cover. You know, people get sensitive about getting compliments. You get sensitive about giving compliments. I do. Take <laughs> it. Hey, you didn't. You didn't. Get, you didn't take my compliment well. Take
0: it. You take it, and then you get cocky later. You sneak in the cockiness. Yes. You don't just go, "Yeah, I get it all the time." Then it makes me feel bad for having complimented you.
4: <laughs> he didn't want to feel. He didn't want to feel generic. I'm special. My
0: compliment's special. That's right. Nobody else cares for you or your comedy. My compliment matters. <laughs> All right, Rich Sider's is here. He's taking time away from doing forty nine thousand tonight shows with Johnny. He did it with Johnny. did it when it mattered. I did it in two thousand two when nobody gave a shit because the world ended in two thousand and one when nine eleven happened and two planes uh, went into buildings, one into the Pentagon. That's is that, that's technically a building. Three that's into buildings, I mean. one into a field. Yep. Uh, then I was the I believe the second comic on the Tonight Show
4: after nine eleven, and uh, that was not a good spot to be. In. <laughs>
0: I also had a horse. You should have size. pushed
4: your single plane theory. <laughs> it was one plane that hit all the Pentagon and the Twin Towers. Uh, yeah, I'm that,
0: sure some asshole thinks that. I'm sure some dick <laughs> thinks something's up.
4: Same bullet that got Kennedy.
2: I heard it was Ted Cruz uh, behind the
4: wheel. <laughs>
2: Ted oh Cruz's father. Wow. That guy was, he was involved. A, he had his fingers in a lot of pies. Yes.
4: His fingers
2: in dozens of different pies. Oh, but it's sad. All right. That's from Aveda. Uh Rich We'll be back. Well, they're back, Matt. Who's that? Harry's? Harry's baby back shaves. <laughs> Am I not supposed to use other companies? No, I think music? It, I think it's quite all right. I'm <laughs> concerned about the baby that's so hairy and needs to shave its back. Well, hey, your mama's so hairy. That's how great these blades are. You can shave a baby's back with them, and you feel safe. You feel secure. I'm totally about it. confident in using these blades on a, on a baby's back. Oh
0: boy, I want my I want to shave my baby's back, baby's back, <laughs> baby's back, baby's back, back. That's another one. Wait, that's the same
2: one. Same one. Same one. Different uh, spot in the song. That's right. Uh, I, you know, I the the dropped lines. the needle.
0: I dropped the needle right in the middle of that one. Uh, you dropped the needle on the record. Got the needle on the record. You dropped the needle on the record. Dance, dance. Now, in the meantime, I recommend that you go to Harry's for your shaving products. I enjoy it. I already do. I do, too. I think we all do here at the Never Not Funny Industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 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 the, I use it all. The Daily Wash, I, which I use today because I'm not shaving today. But I, when I do shave tomorrow, I will be using the uh, the shaving cream. Mm-hmm. Use the gel. I use the gel to great effect. And uh, we like it. We uh, are fans of the Harry's products they got that rubberized grip now that i speak uh, a lot about that didn't seem
2: to bother other people but it bothered the hell out of me i started using the rubberized grip i got one uh i'd been using the other one with no issues but now that i have the rubberized one i can never go back yeah you see the difference fantastic yeah it's great
0: well now you could take advantage of that now these guys they still handle themselves the right way two bucks a blade compared to four that you're going to pay at your drugstore they own that factory in germany that matt will not stop talking about on
2: and off the air well they bought it jimmy they didn't just make a deal to I get know. blades from the place and, and keep putting money into some German guy's pocket. They just said they put a lot of money in his pocket once and said, "Now it's ours."
0: It, to use a, like a phrase from Shark Tank, uh, "We're going to buy this. Uh, are we part? Are, are we partners?" Is that a good German voice at all? No. <laughs> no. Uh, then and then I uh, thought you were doing a Mark Cuban impression. That's how bad that was. <laughs> Thank you. And then is Kevin? Is his name Kevin Riley. Kevin. O'Leary. Kevin O'Leary says, uh, No, I write you a check. You don't even have my phone number. <laughs> That's how they did it with this factory. Wow. They write the check
2: and it's over. Uh-huh. Adios, Krauts. That is. Get out. Kind of a rude way of investing in a company. Well, to th- say, Hey, you don't have my phone number. You're out. You're yeah. done. And a end relationship. I've given you the money. Mm hmm. You, we don't need to know each other anymore.
0: You go on with your life. I go on with mine. I love it. With my brand new factory. Tell me more about the razor blades. Well, they got a five blade razor. It includes a softer flex, uh, flex hinge for a more comfortable blade. Uh, they got a trimmer blade now for the hard to reach places. They got the lubricating strip, the textured handle that we spoke about. More control even when it's wet. These guys do it right. Now, they are so confident in the quality of the blades. Here's what they're going to do.
1: How confident
0: are they? Dude, they're so confident. <laughs> oh. They're going to send their popular free trial set, which comes with the razor. Five blade countries and shaving gel. That's very confident. You get all that free when you sign up for a shave plan. Just pay shipping. You understand what that means? Yeah, you just pay for the shipping and the rest of it comes in. That's right, Matt. <laughs> Plus, here's a uh, special offer for uh, fans of this show. Enter code Pardo, and they're going to add a post-shave balm for uh, no additional charge. I, I used this morning. I love it. I love it. Too. I love it. Now, go to Harry's right now. Harry's.com. Enter code Pardo at checkoff.
2: at <laughs> When you see Jimmy's father in law, Jackoff mm-hmm. from Star Trek, let him know. Put that code in. He'll, <laughs> hey, he'll be waiting there hey, for you. Hey, Pardo! <laughs> and he's going to give you 20% off of a handshake.
0: Yep. <laughs> uh, but right now, you use that code and you're going to get that free uh, post shave balm. And uh, boy, there's no 20% off at all here. i got to take that joke back. Hmm. Shame. Boy, oh boy. Shame! <laughs> 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 go to harrys.com right now enter code pardo check out and claim your free trial free set free 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 trial 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 set 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 and you're gonna get that post shave balm harrys.com code pardo hey everybody welcome back to the program episode episode of ross porter showed up again uh episode 19 19- 12? Mm mm-hmm. uh, Let's go around the horn very quickly. Now, Garen Cockerell's over there at the Pop Culture Bees Info Desk, sponsored by Dogpile.com Garen, anything happened of import over the weekend? You see any movies, any plays, any concerts? I watched Hardcore. Hardcore? The, the George C. Scott movie? Mm-hmm. Wow. hmm. Wow. Really? That's often discussed on the show? It, it,
1: yeah. Isn't
0: great. it? It's great and gross, right? Yeah. It's like it kind of makes you sick to your stomach. Especially now that we have kids I've
4: never seen it Oh, oh it's great Paul Schrader wrote it and that yeah. I think Okay yeah
0: It's it's hardcore mm-hmm. It's hardcore yeah. It's exactly what it writes Yeah It's about his daughter His daughter goes into porn Goes missing Then goes into porn And then he has to sit And he, and he sees her on the screen Right And it might Is this a, Am I giving it away
1: uh, that happens, but not. Spoiler alert on a twenty-some-year-old movie.
4: <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, his, very he's, he's man. a very considerate man. I'm a nice man. Be, yeah. <laughs> I'm a nice man. I'm also not one hundred
0: percent convinced that Nixon needs needs to resign. Yeah. So I'm going to be covering a lot
4: of topics wow. today. Huh. Yeah, the Godfather. I don't want to Sunny I don't want to say what happened. So, to him. What happened? <laughs> Does he make it? Does Sunny make it? Uh, what else? So you like that? Yeah, it was.
1: I mean, George e. Scott's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah. So. What do you think of his son, Campbell?
1: Campbell. I hear he reads books.
2: Oh, my God. He's got the best voice. Wait a minute. In yeah. Is that for real? Is that really George C. Scott's son? Campbell Scott is if his son? If it's not his son, it's his grandson. I, I think never knew they were related. I never
0: I think knew Campbell that. Scott is George C. Scott's, uh, George C.'s. George wow. Ca- I think George Campbell Scott had Campbell Scott as a son.
4: <laughs> is that what the C stands for? Is that
2: it? I don't oh, know. No. I didn't know.
0: I never knew what C stood for. We'll find out in four, three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He is the son of George
0: C. Scott. What? Wow! Crazy. Beautiful. Did, did you know that? George? No. Huh.
1: Campbell Scott.
0: It is George Campbell Scott.
2: Wow!
1: wow. I, I
0: ask all of you to please go out to my car, grab the dustbuster, and suck it. <laughs> I don't.
2: I'm not going to suck it because I wasn't questioning you. I just I, that's new information. You would think you would have heard that? But maybe he maybe he didn't want to be in his, his dad's shadow and and didn't want to talk about it. because like, but then why did I know? I don't know why you knew, but but the fact that neither of us knew, Elliot. Did you know that? I don't. Do you know who Campbell Scott is? No. Do you no, know that George we're C. Scott. Do you know that we're doing a show right now? <laughs> yes,
0: I am. Cuz you've seen more out of it than you've ever seen in I was going to
3: say I didn't tell you you were wrong or right. I was just sitting here innocently waiting to find out what was going to happen. <laughs> huh?
2: He's, he told us he's, all to suck it. He's act. He's acting like his complete uh, disregard for the show as a whole is is him. But not being, being not, polite. Yeah, being polite. Yeah. yeah. Polite. yeah. When, when, when in fact he's zoning out and probably napping back there.
0: You're in your head because you're thrilled that our guest and you are both wearing the same color t-shirt. We are kind of wearing. <laughs> it's the thrilling color yeah. no shirt yeah. yeah. it's, yeah, yeah. it's
1: like
3: it's like a team,
0: right? It's like a team, a squad, right? One of you's playing, the other one's on the bench. You decide. <laughs> Uh, Garen anything else we got to talk about other than the, the Scott family lineage? <laughs> no,
1: I'm still waiting here about that contest. No uh, answers. Yet.
0: Oh yeah, what about a job? What's the job hunt coming? How's the job? Oh, I
1: have an interview tomorrow.
0: Tomorrow an interview in person
1: or one of these bullshit over the uh... Skype?
0: It is a Skype interview. Yeah. I guess that's the way though, huh?
1: Yeah, it's easier. I don't have to worry about
0: wearing pants. <laughs> hey, that's not a
4: bad call. I'll go pantless for this thing. Maybe I, will. I might be lucky. You got to mix up your locker. Feel <laughs> free. Feel free. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna go pantless.
4: Hang off the edge of the couch and dangle.
1: Past- <laughs> what? <laughs>
2: That's like when you know they say when you're pu- in public or you're doing public speaking, you sh- you're supposed to picture the audience naked. Now right. you can just b- exactly. you can be naked yourself in an interview. What confidence, that is.
0: <laughs> yeah. If I may, as you, you know, as much as I love to get out of the window, that's my new favorite catchphrase. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do your job, you get out of the window. Yeah, I like you hang off the edge and dangle.
2: I hang off the edge and dangle <laughs> was beautiful, right? It's
0: beautiful, right? That's how you know you're gonna have a good interview. That's my way instead of saying break away. Hang off the edge and dangle, right? <laughs> that's it, that's you embrace it. this. Mm-hmm. Embrace it. All right. Well, good luck, Garren, on this. Uh, I, I'm sure you'll tell us more about it post uh, interview if you do or do not get it. Absolutely. I don't want you to tell us about what it is now. I have, I, you know, it, it'll jinx it.
2: I heard it was for he was he's up for one of the cabinet posts in uh, Trump's administration. Oh, so. Jesus
0: Christ! Well, good luck on that. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah.
2: yeah. I think he's got a good chance
0: of winning.
4: <laughs> yeah you will be one of those great people he's going to hire.
0: The best. (laughs) All the best. The great
4: people. The best. I know all the best. The great people.
0: All the best. He fires three. He's already fired three
4: campaign managers. Three or two. Um, had two so far. I two think, so far, but this, yeah. this one's not long, yeah. right? Yeah. How
0: can she do it day after day? How can she find okay. herself out she's, there?
4: She's boy, she's looking more haggard. Oh, she it's is tough, man. Yeah. Well, you're working for the devil, man. It it wears on you. You can right. see her just more. She's coming out, just eyes are spinning a little bit more. <laughs> you know what I mean? She, she's like thinking, oh And then and then you know what's going to be the best is when he stiffs her at the end for her pay. Yeah. yeah. When she goes to get her pay, he's like, Yeah, yeah, I'm giving you ten cents on a dollar, like <laughs> he like does it. to everybody.
2: Which uh, I don't know if you guys saw that uh, any of the Al Smith. Dinner uh, clips, you know, they do this roast. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Hillary made that joke, too. She's like, uh, Kellyanne, you're working on. Oh, did commi- she make that joke? Yeah. She's like, you're working on commission, so you're going to get stiffed. And everyone mm-hmm. laughed. And then and then she, Kellyanne, uh, what's her last name? Connor? Conway? Conway? Conway. Conway. She tweeted, shout out from Hillary. Like, as if <laughs> she's <laughs> like a
1: fan or
2: something. <laughs> like, what that are just, you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> enemy, she's like, already sucking up to this
3: future president.
4: a complete president. weather vane, <laughs> <rain>, man. Which way is the wind blowing, man? Just <laughs> swings over. Well, maybe I can get a job over <laughs> <Yeah>. there, then. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Can chill for you too. Yep. I love everybody. Oh, Crazy. but you, boy, you're not kidding. And I, I, you know, I, you hate to talk about anybody's appearance, but they always say that when you're president, you age, you know, yeah. five times. She has yeah. aged. In I'm, the last two months, right. that poor woman. Nah,
4: I wouldn't say poor woman, but that woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you. I, 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 yes,
0: she should have quit if you have any morals at all. But uh,
4: yeah. she to trot her
0: those lies out there is yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah. Did you yeah. see her
1: get caught up on on Anderson Cooper? I heard it's great. Oh, it's what? I have not
0: seen it yet. What happens?
1: He she goes in on on Clinton settling a, a case with Paula Jones or whatever for eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. So Anderson Cooper finally says, so are you saying that settling a case is, a, is an admission of guilt then? You're saying that your boss, who has settled dozens <laughs> of cases, is that, does that make him guilty? Oh, uh, uh, like, <laughs> 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 Finally. It's, nice. it's,
0: oh, I look it's, forward it's to watching great. that tonight. It's great. That's good. Watch that. Thank you, Garen. <laughs> well, I
2: Garen. Really put a button Boy, on that segment. What happened?
0: Garen, Garen was, <laughs> whi- he was winding down like a robot at the end of that. He was uh, uh, All right, we check in over there at the uh, Behind Video Control. Uh, now, Elliot, you came in here uh, breezy. You were excited to be here on time, yet yeah. you were... Uh, uh, I, didn't,
3: I was not fooling myself that I was, quote, unquote, on time. I just wasn't. Late for showtime.
0: All right. Now, why? Why today? What? What was the disaster at the apartment complex today?
3: <sighs> uh, there's leaks in multiple places that happened last Wait, night. Are we
2: talking about WikiLeaks? Oh because boy. That's a very yeah, sensitive Julian right right right
3: Assange came in and poked holes in our pipes. It's just uh, the
2: drip, drip, drip of problems at the familiar.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I blame the Russians.
0: Yeah, you should. Um, you yeah. should. Don't. You probably have some Ruskies in that. Uh, Actually, building, our right? plumber
3: who's going to fix it. Is Well, he has a Russian accent, but he might be Czech. I don't know. I'm not that good at discerning. <laughs> could be my father-in-law.
0: <laughs> oh, Chekhov? Could be Could be uh, Walter. That's true. Doing, uh, doing his, uh...
3: Wow, I hadn't really considered that uh, your father-in-law might be doing plumbing on the side. Oh, that
0: would be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> that would be horrible if it was.
3: Uh, I've never seen him do any. Check the check, wessels. Check the wessels. <laughs> if
0: your wessels are still there, you all right. So, <laughs> anything over the weekend uh, the, uh, you need to discuss?
3: Uh, I, uh, we, Broadway, LA did our first uh, of our Halloween shows. Hell, now listen. I, of course,
0: uh, know everything about Broadway. Mm-hmm. Rich is new to our show. Sure, explain to Rich at length so that I can hear it as well. <laughs> yes, but. I know, just, but let, tell Rich what Fraudway is.
3: Fraudway uh, LA is an improvised musical uh, performance show. So we had just done Music in the Key of Murder, and previous to that, we did something called Caminot, which was set in like a Oh, so medieval. this is the thing I saw. You saw one of those things. I saw Caminot, yes. But that was before it was called Fraudway LA, but yes. We've, we've, we've it was become,
0: a, when I saw it, it was called unwatchable. You guys <laughs> dropped that.
4: Yeah, that was uh, that was bad marketing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's a, that's not the title. You want. No, it was it was a subtitle. <laughs> no, well, Post <poke> show, I wouldn't want it anywhere in a title, <laughs> right? Not on the back of the cover. No, don't bring up the back of your cover not again. inside
3: the sleeve. You don't, <laughs> don't need to read it. I don't know we're thinking about making wearing. a bumper sticker that said that. Uh,
0: what? All right, so this one's called. Uh, what's the new one called?
3: The new one. This is catholuzical. Was the one we did Saturday? Yeah, yeah that's fair. Um, what? Yeah. What's it called? Cthulhysical. All right, so, so
2: it's... Do you know what Cthulhu is? I guess I don't know. If, it's an HP Lovecraft, uh, weird, alternate dimension, alien, squid beast, monster thing, right? Yeah, basically. Okay, fair. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What's the next one? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: this, this coming Saturday, we're doing Nightmaresical, which is based on the uh, uh,
2: work of Tim Burton. Yeah, like Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare, I mean, not <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas. Let me ask you yes. one more question.
0: What's the next one?
2: <laughs> <laughs> then it's back to the Cthulhu'sical.
0: Oh, oh, boy. Well, you don't want me to come at all, do you? <laughs>
2: well, it, maybe it, I'll come to that Nightmare one. You should. When is it this Saturday? There's one this Saturday. You know what? You won't be Oliver in the town. would like that. He likes. Uh, would he like it for kids? Yeah, he might. Has he watched Nightmare Before Christmas? Yeah, we like it. Yeah. I, I so think actually, too, yeah.
3: We're, uh We run a pretty clean show, and uh, I think, yeah. What? When is it? Uh, Seven o'clock on this coming Saturday.
0: Oh, that's a very that's a very strong possibility. Awesome. Bring my son up for a nice night to the theater. Fantastic. Uh, all right, Matt uh, think think so good. We talked to you at length. Mm-hmm. Our guest is Rich Scheidner. Everybody, we've anyway, welcome in Elliot. I didn't mean to dismiss you at the end. That's all right. Thank you. Uh, Rich Scheidner is a. Uh, is it safe to say a legendary comedian? Is it, are you comfortable with that, Rich? Uh, whatever, I'm comfortable. You, uh, you were. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to to your face. Uh, I used to use you as my. He's open for. Because here's what happened. I'm going to tell you a story. I used to work for MCA Records, and we came out here for. I, I was in the Chicago branch, and we came out here for our national convention, or whatever that thing's called. The what are those called? I guess convention, not convention. Sales conference. Sales conference. Conference. That's the word. Our, our huge conference of MCA Records, and we were all at Universal Studios. Uh, I don't think it was just. It wasn't a tour or anything yet, and we uh, had the uh, the the tour bus took us to the Improv. Uh, for a night at the improvisation took us out to dinner then to the improv and it was the two i can remember were you and rick overton were on the show there was a guy that went up early in the show who brought me on stage just by coincidence i was the guy that, that he picked and maybe you can remember this person's name he would have props and he would do a juggling thing or magic while the stooge from the audience is uh playing along with the playing the air, air playing the flute he sets up a music stand with music and you play the flute and he's playing the uh, thing and then his big joke is do you know how to uh, do you know how to read music and then uh usually the person goes uh no and then he turns it as if it's been upside down and that's his big reveal that that's the joke like the music but i said uh from left to right and I got a big laugh. And then that you could see that guy go oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh that oh that just stuff, And so when he turned it upside down, that got nothing. Because my, my joke got a bigger. Whoa. And then it's like it's like at the time I remember sitting down going, yeah, you motherfucker. I got you. But then like when I became a pro, it's like, ah, you dick, you stuff in that guy's laugh. Um, but, but did that hook you to that laugh? Was that your first laugh? No, no, I had, I had done a couple of open mics, a couple of open mics prior to that. And um uh, and then watching you guys, and your big thing that, and, and you you were doing a riff that night. I remember this because we were there for with MCA. Your riff was about, uh, was it Last Temptation of Christ? Is that the name of the movie? You were doing a whole thing about The Last Temptation of Christ, and you didn't know that the entire room was from MCA, and that was our movie and soundtrack. Um, so you're doing these jokes, and they're kind of being met with this weird, hey, you don't know who you're talking to, yet some support, and then people like me just giggling like an idiot because I love live comedy. And so you're, you're kind of, you're threading the needle of trying to make the crowd get on your side, yet you have some on your side. It was a weird, interesting thing to watch. And then at the end, you finally just said, you, you put your arms up like you were Christ, and you go, that's it. Take me down when the show's fucking over. <laughs> And then everybody <laughs> erupted with laughter. Uh, and then you walked off the stage and it was great. But I remembered you from that day of Rich, you know, because I had seen you on television, of course. But I remember that. It was like because it looked to me like you would just throw the act away. And that for this particular show, you would
4: improvise basically the entire show. Is that something you did a lot? Yeah, I did. I love I loved to improvise and I love to find things, especially when you were working at the improv or those places, which I thought that's what they were for. Right. I know some guys got come well, you never know who's going to see you. I go, they're going to see me one time. They're going to come to see me another time. It's nobody ever got saw one. That's such a myth in show business. Saw him one time, he became a star. Right? They've watched you. They've been watching you. They're watching. They want to see if you do the trick again. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, anybody can get lucky and do the trick one time. Mm-hmm. So I never worried about that, and I loved improv. And and I'm, I remember seeing that movie and coming in. I would do that. I'd see a movie like that and go. Now I got to go do. Just 10 minutes on that movie. Right, right, right. And, and that's what it
0: felt like. And it was great. To me, it was like watching a magician working. Like, it was magic watching you that night.
4: It, it really was. I, you know, there's, there's things that... Uh, you remember Kenneth. And Kenneth and I saw this band called Striper, which was like the first Christian heavy sure. metal band. Yeah. So we went and saw him. Just a goof. Because his brother was in town. His brother was an evangelical preacher. And he, he's like, let's go see this band. you know. So we go see him. And the guy comes out and he starts off the, 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 the show. The lead singer, Striper, goes... You know, Jesus was the first rock and roller. What? And Jesus was the first rock and roller. And then he did a show. And I was like, the rest of the day, I was going, I, I go, Jesus was in show business. I just loved that. So I went on stage and riffed this whole thing. And Kennison was like yelling stuff. And I virtually, we, it's like improv, this whole bit about Jesus talking to his agent you like, Jesus, coming? Up. You got to get me out of the hills and valleys. I'm dying out there. <laughs> hey, you, young, you young prophets, you don't want to pay your dues. You got to work on things, work on things. You know, hey, book me in the temple. That's where the money's at. Book me in the temple. <laughs> I had you last year at Open Messiah Night. What do you do? You walk in, you knock over the money changer's table. I had this whole bit, right? <laughs> right. It just kind of worked out like that, just because Kennison would yell stuff, and then I'd move in. The, and it became like a bit, which I never could take anywhere, but, you know, it's not like you could do it on Tonight Show or anything. But I love that improv. Now, why could you, when you say that, don't you think you could take that on Tonight Show? Not, not not Jimmy Fallon's game show thing that he's doing, but <laughs> the... Uh, oh, no, no, I did. I tried the second Tonight Show. My oh, second Tonight, Tonight show, show was a bomb, right? Yeah, the, second, the end of it, because I changed the ending. But the, I wanted to do that bit on the end. And Jim McCauley said, oh, you can't do that. You know, and I was like... Even though I'm like in within the legend of Jesus or within the story of Jesus, it was like just saying Jesus and having him be yeah. like a human or talking to an agent. He's like, you can't do that. No way. Really? No way. Yeah. So and then this- I switched over and did some heart attack material and Johnny was like a four pack, a smoker, you know, he, so he was af- afraid of a heart attack and he hated that material. But he loved your first appearance, First right? appearance was great. And then it took me like a year to get back after the second one. Uh, Every year. The only thing to say was Macaulay okayed those last jokes that I did. I talked him in and let me we were in backstage right before the show, I talked him in and let me do those instead of something else. I forget what I was going to close with. But the last couple of jokes I changed.
0: Wow. Uh you know it's interesting you say that because when I my one appearance with Jay in, in two thousand two, as yeah. I alluded to earlier. Same deal kind of where they, they, they changed the joke on me last minute and then they also said um You know, you know, Jimmy, you're, you know, you're so off the cuff and everything. You know, Jay doesn't like that. And he said, whatever's going on, stay true to your material. Don't go, don't reference anything. And that's not what I do, you know? And so all I'm doing in my head as I'm bombing miserably (laughs) is thinking I could save this if I could comment on what's happening. I could be funnier than any of my material if they would have not put these handcuffs on me. I also stupidly thought they're going to sweeten it. There's no way they're going to let this happen to the viewer at home is not going to see me bomb wrong. Everybody saw me bomb. It was horrible. Wow. But for that reason, like, hey, you're about to go on, but don't do this. Well, okay.
4: Yeah, that's the best way to, you know, give a guy a pat on the ass before he goes up to the plate. They saw your style and they just wanted to change it, which is, you know, they're just so weird anyway, because you're like cutting and snipping bits right. out of bits, you know, you're, you maybe have a three minute or four minute hunk about skiing or whatever, then you take the best joke out of skiing and put it with the best joke out of another hunk about, you know, getting a haircut. Mm -hmm. And you kind of kind of meld them together with some sort of weird segue. You know, after I got out of water skiing, my hair was all messed up, so So, I got a haircut. (laughs) No, no, what original
0: doesn't that, what always angered me about that and 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 I didn't and of course I've done maybe five late night spots in my life not, never, not as much as you but if you do take that one joke out of the ski bit and then the one out of the haircut bit out of these nice chunks of material and you right. take one line here one on there doesn't that then ruin both those bits for like you can't find other jokes from there to do your, on your next set correct Quite often, yeah, no, no, Does quite often, sense? quite
4: often, quite often. But that's the way they would want to do it. They wouldn't want you to, you know, rarely did you go, and there was a couple of times that I did go in and I had like, okay, here's a, a hunk, you know, here's a hunk. Right. I mean, there's like a big hunk, right? a three, four minutes where you call whatever bit. I, I would, would let, let you use use to do the word that. hunk another 19 times. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, but no, it, and then, but if you had two or three to really quality, it Just they would just want you to do the absolute best joke. I you? get it. I get, I get it too, it. but I at the same time I think it's the most inorganic way to let us do yeah. what we do. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Instead of just saying, Let's go on for five minutes or whatever, find and cause some really great laughs, but they'd want it, and that's what also like hurt the clubs because people would see so many shows where they just see these guys just doing their greatest hits, whether it's their tonight show or their HBO special or whatever. Then you come in the clubs and go, You're gonna do it like that, right? Where there's every thirty seconds you pound me with a great hit song. You go, No, I'm gonna play no no no, we want the bam 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 bam. Expectations change after a mm-hmm. while. Oh interesting. Mm-hmm. And how many times did you end up doing it with Johnny? I did like f- 14 or something with Johnny. I because I didn't. 14? I have, I have the sets in, in a file. Like I, I had the sets, that, so I didn't re- repeat material. Like I actually had taken care of those. But I don't have the tapes. But I have um, like 14 or something of like that. And then I did another four with Jay. And then I did like a dozen Lettermans back when it was the NBC show. I never did it with CBS. How I was much done,
0: material is that? I mean, that's amazing. A lot of amazing. material.
4: A lot of material. You've got to churn up a lot of material. I was constantly, that was, you know, I, I love doing new material, and I, but you'd have to do it. I remember when I first started, Seinfeld, right, before he ever did his first one, I remember him saying, he, he'd watched a guy who was a little ahead of us, who did a great first Tonight Show. His second show, not so great. The third show, he's out of gas, out of material. Yeah. And Jerry had said, I'm not going to do my first Tonight Show until I got five in the bank ready to go behind it. So in my mind, I was always like looking ahead, going, okay, I'm three ahead, four ahead. I'm constantly got to be ahead. I got these in the bank. And then things might change as Joe gets knocked out for a better one coming in. But you you always have to stay ahead. Yeah, makes because didn't that kind of happen a little bit with Stephen Wright? Like Stephen's first one was
0: amazing. His second one was, if his first one was a 10, his second one was like a nine. And J- and Johnny, I remember being crazy about him. Yeah. And then the third one was okay.
4: Right? I I, I don't remember. I just remember those first two because he came out of nowhere. The third one might have been okay because the surprise of who he was and how he did it was off. That's true. Those first two, he was so different. He came back like two days later. Unheard of. It was unheard of, right? Unheard of. And he went from, he wasn't even in the clubs. I mean, he was working, he was like a late night guy in Boston to like doing theaters and, and filling clubs. Isn't that something? I mean, he went like boom, like he jumped through everything. And he was like maybe one of the. One of those guys who did one shot, two shots made a difference, like an immense difference. It really, you know, I saw him at the, uh, was, who's on first in Chicago. That was my first live
0: comedy show was him. Uh, and Tim Cavanaugh, a Chicago comedian, opened up for him, but I didn't know. I was a guy in the music industry, so when I saw Tim Kavanaugh hanging out at the bar, prior and then uh, prior to the show, and then while Stephen Wright was on, I came back to my table and go, the other comic's right over there! <laughs> and I came from music where it's like, well, they would never be yelling yeah. about. They'd be back in their dressing room doing blow. So, uh, but Tim was it was very exciting to me that the comedian was with, amongst us.
4: Um, so, did you do, like, Merv Griffin as well? That you did you do? That was the minor leagues before you did. Johnny was no. the major leagues, and no. you had to do Merv first. You did. And I did... I was first of all, I was the bump champ for a while. There was like, I was bumped eight <laughs> times in a row, right? So I started thinking, you know, you'd, I'd drive over. I lived over in West Hollywood. I'd drive over to the studio, which is you know, right around the corner in Hollywood. And I'd go in, and they say, You're bumped, which means you got a check coming for 700 They had a bar set up, like a full bar with an old style bartender with a bow tie and all. And I'd, I'd give me a sidecar, give me a Manhattan, whatever <laughs> these drinks, and, and I'd get hammered and then drive home. <laughs> well, after about eight times, Really, Literally eight times in a row, like every other day or every day they were bringing me back. And they go, you're bumped the again. Sometimes they go, look, we're going to have Orson Wells there. And Orson, if he doesn't feel well, we may need somebody else to, to come in and fill the rest of time. But Orson could do the whole hour, hour himself. Okay. Or just to backup up for Orson, whatever it was. So I started thinking, this is my job. I go over. I get bumped. I get a check. I have a couple of drinks. I go home. So next time I go in there, I go. Why not have the drinks first? (laughs) Right? I start drinking. They go, you're on. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I'm hammered. I'm hammered. I had blow in my pocket. I go, I better do some blow to straighten it up. Right. Of course, I overshot the mark, and I come out, like, <laughs>
1: talking too fast. And you're kind of like that anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm like that anyway, and I
4: look at the audience, like, uh, and I go, oh, shoot, man, i got to crank it back. It was I have the tape, and it's like you could see me just trying to pull the brakes on a Coke overload. Jesus. yeah, You did a, you did a lot. I did back, a lot. Back in your everybody, youth, right? Yeah, 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 I did a lot. It was I the 80s. Yeah, well, it was the 80s, and I, I was, I was... You know, an addict, an alcoholic, whatever you want to call it. I, from the beginning, I knew I was. It, I, it it, was nothing I was going to back on. Once I started, I knew I was an alcoholic before I knew I was an alcoholic because I knew if I started, there's no way I'm going to stop. There just wasn't going to, there wasn't in the mix. Have you stopped since? Oh, yeah. Stopped the 31 years. Congratulations. Yeah. Good yeah. for you. 31 yeah. years.
0: Holy smokes. Yeah. By the way, I'm pretending I've I read the book. I know a lot. I'm doing it for the people that haven't read the book. <laughs>
4: um, you, all right. So you did Merv? Yeah. You uh, know, I bombed on Merv to get John, get back on Johnny. Wait, What? Doing a Merv because of rehab. Like when it, when Jim McCauley saw me, I got sober. I got sober, right? And then I started doing, you know, my attitude changed. and I was doing new material that he really liked. And he said, I'm going to try to get back on Johnny because I got knocked off and banned after the heart attack jokes that I did. He, got, he was that upset about it? No, no. When I came off, when you came off the first time, they go, stand over here. You did fantastic. Here, have a beer. And when Johnny comes off, you're going to do a photo op with him and shake his hand. And Johnny comes back on his way to his dressing room. And I'm standing there and he shakes me. You're, you're an upward coming, you know, probably says it to everybody, you know what I mean? And I'm there. after the second one, Macaulay's waiting behind the curtain. Eating. He, th- he knew immediately. I get back there. He grabs me and says, we got to get in the dressing room. And he pushes me into the dressing room. He goes, stay right here. Don't move. Don't go out. Whatever you do, don't come out. What the And I half our lady comes back and goes, oh man Johnny's pissed. He is so angry, man. He hated those jokes. Wow. We got to we got to wait wait here until everybody's left. I had to wait until Johnny and all left so they wouldn't possibly see me. Gee, what the fuck? And I'm hiding in I'm just drinking beers in the, in the dressing room going, my career is over. That's what I was thinking. I said, I'm 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 really I'm shot. I blew it. I blew it on my second Tonight Show. At a time where that did matter. It did matter. It mattered. It, you know, everybody it. knew about it. You'd think what everybody would know, you know, that, that I messed up. Right. Oh, yeah. the, audience, the audience liked the jokes. I did okay with the audience. Johnny hated them. Oh, so the set wasn't a bomb. No. It was just no. that Johnny. The show, no, the show's fine. I have a table. You can sit there. The show was fine. Johnny hated them. You know, like he do the drum pencil. Yeah, yeah. Fist, you look over. He's just doing like this. are not even looking at me. He's just like this. With the band, just looking. But yeah,
2: you off. weren't even talking about smoking. You were literally just talking about having a heart attack. I a did the thing attack.
4: about the defibrillator paddles. I mm-hmm. did jokes about that. And the guy, uh, Barney Franco, had the artificial heart. Not Barney Franco, Barney Clark. Whatever guy's name was Barney. There was a guy who had an artificial heart, the first artificial heart. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, he had this this huge 800 pound machine. He was hooked up to it. It may impact his lifestyle. I said, "Yeah, it's got to impact his bowling." <laughs> <laughs> he has five guys push a thing down the lane with him, you know. But <laughs> that was the joke. That was That's a, a co- good a co- joke. and a couple of other ones about uh, uh having a heart attack and having the paddles and the, just stuff like that. But it was all I mentioned heart and heart attack a couple of times and it snapped Johnny for whatever reason. Jesus. So t- so Tony trying to get me back on. He says, "You do a murph. Just do this one next murph and then you'll be ready, you know. you be you'll be ready for, it, you know." And I go on the murph. <laughs> <laughs> and Diane Cannon uh, uh, was, and I always get this kind of confused as to as how it happened, but Diane Cannon was promoting a movie to, and and backstage and Les Sinclair was the booker for the Merv Griffin show. And he comes up to me and says, look, the whole audience is very Jewish, for, for old, old people from retirement home, you know. Well, really? Yeah, absolutely, you know. And uh, I go, Why well, it doesn't matter. I'm just doing Merv material. There's nothing in. I'm not, you know, and I don't know why he's even telling me that. And then we go behind the curtain. I'm waiting to go. And Diane Cannon was the guest. And, and Merv's like, oh, let's, let's show a clip of this movie. This looks like a very serious Jenny's War. Jenny's War. And then on all the TV monitors, they show Diane Cannon dresses as a concentration camp victim. Oh, Jesus. Right? And there's a Nazi full, like, you know, the Gestapo, the oh, you know, just slapping her, beating her up. And then they cut back to the, the show and Merv goes, oh, that was great work, Diane. Let's bring out our next entertainer. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah. They don't even go to commercial. No. Right out. Right out. Right out. I mean, I'm, I was blind haired I might as well goose stepped out onto the stage. <laughs> Just, I mean, I mean, I, you, know, there's bombing. you know what I mean, Jim? There's bombing. Yes. It's like, hey, get a little bit, get a little not laugh. Nothing. I mean, nothing. First, And I remember, again, I'm referencing him again, but Seinfeld had said, if you do a joke on a talk show and it doesn't work, don't worry about it. Just look in the camera, smile, nod your head to give him a chance to add the laughter in. And then go to your next joke. So I did that the first joke. Then the second joke. And the third joke. Every joke, man. You know, you're shrinking. I'm shrinking. I'm yeah. like, I go on to stage six. When I come off four, two, man, I'd bombed. I mean, it was not a laugh. Nothing. These people are, they're thinking back to everybody that lost in the Holocaust. I mean, right. These were older people back in 1986 or whatever it was. You know, Bomb, bomb. I come off. Les was like, the booker was like, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't know what I could do. There was nothing we could do. I said, I took the beating, man. I said, I'm done, I'm done. A couple days later, McCauley comes up to me and said, I heard what happened at Merv. And I was like, well, that's... He's just going to tell me. You got no... He said, you took your beating like a man. You didn't bail. You didn't blame the audience. You did your material. They'll fill in all the laughter later. And you're going to do the Tonight Show again. So that's how I got... Oh, all right. You know, I got back that way. And then... I got the tape of it. It's where you can see it. So I, you see the tape. I do a joke, you hear laughter. Then they do an audience reaction shot. Everybody just stares.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Where's the laughter coming from? Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's <laughs> was uh, was Merv a pleasant man? Did you enjoy Merv's right, company? Right. He was he was very clean. They pay you, they they I had drinks backstage. I had like food. He was uh, you know, it's just an old school showbiz. Right. You know, yeah, he was very nice. Where did they show, was And that? he sent me down to his – he had a you know that place, Atlanta's Paradise, down in the Bahamas. Now it's like a big yeah, yeah, yeah. He owned it first, so when I was working, Merv Griffin him- owned an yeah. island resort. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He owned it, and they go, Oh, you go down there, and I forget, I opened up for a couple different groups down there, and I did a private party down there. So he kind of liked me, and or, you know, I'm sure other comics too, and we got mm-hmm. gigs out of it. So it was not just doing a show, you got gigs working down there, which was nice. And that was on in the daytime, right, Merv? Yeah, like Ellen. Yeah, like that. Oh, like, and, uh, but that would be weird if,
0: like, Ellen would never have a stand up come on, but Mike Douglas
4: did, right? And, all those and guys, and Merv? Did. They all, all did. When I was watching before I became a stand up, I'd watch the, I'd look at the paper and see who's going to be. There was Mike Mike Douglas, there was Merv Griffin, there was a, – a, I can't remember her name, not a singer that she was – was, um, Oh, Din- Dinah Shore. Dinah Shore. There were all these – there were different – Mike Douglas is of affiliate. So you'd, I'd look on the schedule and go, oh, look, Steve Bluestein. this guy's going to – who's going to be on that day, you know? Ed Bluestone or whoever was going to be was going to be. I'd look and see who's going to be on. You know, Freddie Prinze would do those shows sometimes. Is I mean, that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Rich, Pryor was on at daytime with Mike Douglas or whatever. Did you see these guys on it? The, they were all do, doing those shows. Absolutely interesting because it was only Johnny at night, and right. they weren't doing. It couldn't be on every night. And these shows were, you know, they were paying. They were popular. I could see those guys doing them. You we know, forget there wasn't, there weren't comedy clubs. There weren't any comedy clubs. So where were you doing when you started comedy? What year did you start, Rich? 77. You started in 77. And did you start with other guys that we know of that? Like, <laughs> yeah, you might know. Because, well, eventually, there was Lewis Black. I was in Washington, D.C. Okay. So I, I, Lewis Black, uh, Ron Zimmerman, Kevin Rooney, um, uh, Bill Masters, uh, John Heyman. These were guys who were. Zimmerman? Yeah, Ron Did Zimmerman. he do a bit with uh, cereal boxes? No, no. That, no. Ron, Ron became a really good TV writer. No. He wasn't. But anyway, there, there was a place. Before, there was a, there was a place called L. Brookman's that opened up in the summer of 77. Like a guy had a bar, you know, and his dad had a bar, and he decided to have comics come there. So he kind of took over that bar, and that's where everybody. But before, I was doing it from January. So from January to June, I was just running around the city wherever I could go. A friend of mine had a band, and he'd take a band break, and I'd jump on stage and do it there. Wherever I could talk my way on to to go do some stand-up comedy, I did it. I mean, I didn't. There were no, there were no comedy. Clubs. And how do people respond to that? Because I mean, that just sounds crazy. <laughs> <great.
1: laughs> I
4: did one. I did one where they go, my buddy he would find these things. He was, hey, they have this like you know talent night over this place called the gay cabaret. Now we didn't get it. We just thought gay, like, like you know, it's gay old time, like the Flintstones. Right. Or something, right? <laughs> right. We go over there and it's it's a gay club, and this is '77, so I mean, nobody was out of the closet. The closet was jam packed. The only people who got out were popped out by overpopulation in the closet. <laughs> right. right. I mean, it was you know, so <laughs> like Liberace, boom, he's out, right? Yeah. But so we go in there and the guy, and he's a really nice guy, and he said, "Look, fellas, we'd love to have you perform here. No problem." But this just happens that once a month we do ladies' night. So we don't – it's kind of a different thing tonight. And we go, ladies' night,
1: this is even better. <laughs> we're idiots. two guys. we idiots. Again, you know what's coming, you know,
4: right? It, once again. <laughs> and, of course, it's lesbian ladies' night, which I go on stage, and I'm bombing so bad because I'm not good anyway. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so right. I, I'm not good. And now, and now I represent everything that they're trying to avoid right. by being there together. Mm-hmm. and uh, And – at one point, I said something like, did you know one of those deals where I brought it out something that I actually got a laugh? I said something like, my buddy told me later, I said something like, well, I guess I'm your worst nightmare. And they laughed. But I, again, being an idiot, thought, oh, that's good. I can do more. You know, they, I mean, you, you see those guys when they, they you go, that's your out." There it is. That's yes. a, take that one. They go, no, they got, to, they got to laugh. And they think that, and I, and this woman from the crowd, she stands up, doesn't say a word, walks up, just takes by the elbow and leads me off the street. <laughs> <What? laughs> You're done. Yep. Not right. a word. Not a word. Right. Not applause. Just the MC comes. All right, lady, here we go. Just she just walks me out of the room. Not like, not like you're not. You're not just done here. You're done here. Right. You're leaving. Here you are. We're gone. Jesus, so I did it, and I didn't care. And I'd come back to some other place and just do it again. I mean, I did. I wanted to talk to a guy who had a pizza, had a pizza place. He had like three tables in the front of this place, right? It was mostly Takeout. But I go, listen, when you have people in here, can I come in and just do some comedy? And that guy was like an immigrant. I'm not even sure he understood what I was saying. (laughs) And it's like somebody sitting there eating pizza, and I'm standing there going, Hey, you know that? You uh, you ever get on a bus? What are you doing? I'm just trying to have a slice here, (laughs) right? (laughs) And I I didn't care. I would just go around and do it anywhere I could. And almost all my early work was. Was opening up for bands. My first paying job was opening up for the Ramones. The, Whoa. What? Yep. Elliot Hopper became a, yeah. a alert back yeah. behind video control. I was hanging at There was a place called the Child Harold, which is on DuPont Circle in DC. Say those words again. Child, like Child Harold. That's what his name of the baller. Child Harold. Child? Child. Child. Harold. Small child. Harold. Okay. I, think I think it was out of Chaucer. I think it was out of those words, right? <laughs> Child Harold. Well, I got that South Jersey mumble that mouth really is. Out. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. Child Harold. So it was, uh, I think it was out of Chaucer or some poem or whatever. And it, but it was a bar and it had live music. Springsteen played there in 72. That was a big claim to frame when he, you know, this little bar. I mean, like 80, 90 people in the room. Stage was just one of those little six inch risers, plywood stage, just sort of, and right in the middle of the room. And this, guy, the bar owner, was was came up to me one night because my buddy was the bartender. And he told him I was doing comedy. I've been doing it for a few months, right? right. And he goes, "Hey, you want to open up for this band next week? I'll give you fifty dollars, which is a good business move because I'm sure the contract for the 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 record company said you got to have a band to open up for or somebody open up for me. Instead of spend, spending spending five hundred dollars for a local band, he gives me fifty bucks. He's ahead four fifty right there, right? So I said, "Yeah," I said. Fantastic. $50. I come back next week, it says on the marquee, the Ramones, from New York City, the Ramones. I go in, the place is jammed with every angry kid, every (laughs) angry young guy in the tri-state area. I mean, just... Places packed, just mohawks, shaved heads, pins, you know, leather. The whole energy is like, arr, arr, just, you could feel it. And I walked back to the bar and the club owner's laughing. They're going to kill you. Man. <laughs> They're going to kill you. You are not going to make 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to make the 15. Mean, it was like a rodeo. I'm going until the buzzer goes. I'm getting <laughs> that $50. He says, I'll go double or nothing with it. He's, he was a legendary guy, Bill Hurd. He was a legendary club owner. He said, I'll go, I'll go double or nothing. You won't make five minutes. Double or nothing. I said, I'll take the bet. And, you know, they introduced me. I don't know what they said in the introduction. All the audience heard was, ladies and gentlemen, not the remote. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I had to walk right through the crowd. It's not like I came from backstage. I had to walk. Through, so they see me walking up to the stage. Right. It's like biblical. They're like booing. Boo, Boo, I might as well like carrying a cross just walking <laughs> through the streets. They're just like screaming at me. And I get up on stage and just... It's just a wall of booze. I'm trying, I only have this little act. I, you know what I mean? I had no skills. I could go off and do improv or, or come up with special punk material. I didn't even know what was going on. Right. They're screaming. I'm trying to do my little stupid act. One of the guys had enough, and he had a mug of beer, and he just shot the beer at me. He just hit me with a beer. But I don't move because I'm just holding the mic. You, you want know? the double? Yeah, exactly. So I just get hit with, like, ocean spray and just shake it off. <laughs> right on. Right back to the act. I'm from New Jersey. Right back to the act. Right. A, a to B to C. And the guy next to me, goes, well, if you didn't move on that beer, let's see about this one. And he hits me with a beer, and then they all started. You know, oh they, Jesus! They got like they got a line. They took, <laughs> took, took numbers. You know, it was like a deli. My buddy said it was the most schizophrenic performance you would ever seen because the audience would hit me with a beer. They'd all cheer. I'd start talking. I'd start booing. So it was just cheer boo cheer boo. <laughs> I'm standing. It's a little stage. The club owner immediately realized the beer being thrown. It was. A, I'm right next to the amps, the right. drum kit. You know, I'm. I'm it's for a small, tiny little place. He's waving the money. Come on, asshole. Come get your money. You win. Come on. And I leave. I get back. I am soaked head to toe. Soaked. Uh-huh. Soaked with beer. I get back into the kitchen where the Ramones are standing. They're like waiting there. You to go on. I come in there. I'm soaked with beer. One of Ramones looks at me. and goes, cool act, man. <laughs> and I know he's being sarcastic. Yeah, right? He's like, yeah. He goes, what was that, man? But it was a really probably look back. He went, that was our, really our perfect opening act. Mm-hmm. He took all the hostility. You we, <laughs> here we go. Right. How yeah. oh, neat. And that's all right. So you, I did a lot of opening act. You did it for uh, my favorite band in Chicago. You opened up for them. At yeah, 30, yeah. Yeah. It at at Meriwether point. Post. It was like eight. That was my first experience. Like eight, 10,000 people. It was like an outdoor. What amplicator. year? Do you remember the year, Rich? Probably 78. It's 78. Yeah. So they're at the peak of their power. Pretty big. And it was when like. And i had seen him in concert in 1970 when the Allman Brothers opened them for them in the in the spectrum in Philly. Holy shit. In 70. So here I am eight years later. I'm going. I'm going in front of them. 8,000 people. And you know. I'm not that good anyway. I mean, I was getting better. I was doing a lot of opening act rock. So I had an act built for opening up for rock bands. Okay. A lot of drug references. I had a whole bit about going to rock concerts. You know, I was pretty good at But the thing that happens is you didn't realize was You do a joke and you hear the laughs, right? And I'd, I'd start doing the next joke and then the laughs were still coming in. From the back, so I go. Oh shoot! I'm doing a setup for the next joke, and they're still laughing. Wow. Okay. So I had to. You have to slow down. Your timing becomes totally different. So you're doing 10,000 seats at a at a rock show, right? Like if I
0: go, I, I barely listen to the opening act. Although I, right. I like music, so I right. do. But uh, and then the, the, Chicago had a guy named Alan Kay for a lot of years, and we would listen to him. But I remember thinking. What an awful gig that is, because nobody wants to listen to a comedian. They want to listen to another band, or they want to chit-chat.
1: Yeah,
4: yeah. So, would That you- happened a lot of times. It Look, would. I opened up for the Plasmatics. But it, but it didn't... See, I was learning to do it in front of bands. There was not, that was stage time to me. It was like he's saying... Stage know, time in front of 10,000 people. Yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> I think back, I, I was learning to do it in front of... And I'd come up with bits. I remember one time I opened up. Remember Captain Beefheart? Sure. So, Captain... I, I, I'd listened to Captain Beefheart when I was younger. So, I knew... There was going to be a lot of people doing acid in this concert. So I was in, was in Washington, D.C., a place called The Bayou. I went up on the street and they were selling these light up yo yo's, you know, light up yo yo's. I bought two of them. So I go on stage and, you know, I come out there and I do these yo yo's. I'm just doing the like light up yo yo's and swinging at these lights and people are like, oh. And I started doing jokes around it, right? I do a round, I do like walk the dog, right? And then I'd, then I'd let it down and just drag it across the floor. I go, walking the dead dog, you know, I would just do these. And I just came up with stuff and I learned how to do it in front of crowds. I mean, sometimes, you know, the, 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 there was still the casualties of rock and roll. I opened up for Peter Tosh. Remember Peter? You know who Should he the reggae. Yeah. Right. So Christ. this is 81. So you know Rich Hall. Rich Hall, the comedian. Snickers. So I'm talking to Rich Hall, and he says, listen, I just opened up for Tosh up in Philadelphia. Whatever you do, stay away from backstage. Don't go near backstage. I got a contact. I can hardly do my act. So I go, well, I'm like... He doesn't do drugs like I I'm do, drugs, right? right? I, I got more immunities built up. I'm smoking all the time. I'm drinking all the time. This is not going to be a problem. So I'm backstage. I'm the only white guy back there, basically. I'm hopping around. I got, I, mean, I got a little costume. I used to wear old suits and stuff. They spotted me out. You know, they spotted me. Hey, funny man, come over here. I walk over, they hand me a burning baseball bat. <laughs> I had never seen a joint this big. And it was real Jamaican. So I've been smoking ragweed. I've been smoking shake, just $20 weed, you know. So I took two hits, and then I'm being introduced. That's the next thing I remember. It sounded like I'm underwater, you know, that, blah, 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 ladies and gentlemen. And I walk out. My buddy said, I walked out, I laughed for 15 minutes, and I laughed. <laughs> The only thing say was the audience was as high as me. You know, they were laughing what they thought I was laughing at. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that had to be strange, though, Rich, to go from basically you're you're you you're instead of doing the MC feature headline thing, you're doing that in these concert venues. Then that goes. So then you get you come to the clubs, right? Was that weird to then go smaller, or were you appreciative of the fact that now you can communicate as opposed to perform?
4: You know what? I look back and I. I I would dominate a room in a club because I had so much energy. I was so big. I told, this woman sent me all these pictures of me from back 1980 at Yuck Yucks in Toronto. 1980. And I was like, wow, I don't even know what the bits I'm doing, but I am like, my legs kicking in the air. (laughs) I'm down, I'm praying in front of the mic. I'm like scream. I mean, I'm like, look how animated I was. I go, because I was used to trying to be big in front of these big rock crowds. Mm-hmm. So it helped me. Then I go into the clubs and they be, if they wouldn't laugh, they'd be just like, the well, guy, we better laugh because he looks like really might snap. You know, yeah, like yeah, Start yeah. Swinging that mic stand around here. So it, it did help me, I think. It just unleashed my energy.
0: I think it'd be overbearing. I didn't care for it.
4: <laughs> well, what, for, what? When I saw you in 88, it was not my <laughs> cup of
0: tea. I didn't... Uh... <laughs> The fall of 88. Overton was the one I remember, really.
4: He was great. Uh, He was great. He was great. Uh, And he's still great. He is still great. You're right. I'm sorry to mean to put him in the past tense. Uh,
0: Were you, speaking, I don't want to get sad here. Did you know Kevin Meaney? Yeah, I did know him. Boy, sad news. Yeah. That was sad. He was, I think everybody, my generation, all of us, like, that was a guy that, you know, we would, you know, the, the term comics, comic gets thrown around too much, I think, but you, we would go and watch him. You, yes, I one. would go watch him. It's like, I would oh, go watch. Kevin's him. performing. Oh, we'll do our sets and then we'll go over to the Funny Firm, which is where we saw you a ton at the Funny Firm in Chicago as well. Uh, we would go and we'd do our sets around town, the local guys, and then if you were performing or Bill Hicks or yeah, uh, yeah Hicks or oh. Meanie, like whoever's performing, yeah. we'd go and watch you guys do that late night. Uh, yeah. Spot at the funny firm. And, yeah. uh, and learn. And anybody that didn't show up, you go,
4: why the fuck weren't you there? These guys are doing it. These are the best that's, of the best. That's what, see, that's the whole thing. When I moved to New York in 79, and I got this hangout at the improv or catch a rising store, if I wasn't, you know, the guys would sit out to the bar and wait. I was in the room watching. Yes. You learn. If you're not on stage, you at least learn by watching these guys. Well, some, you know, and
0: then the argument, Rich, which makes me laugh is when guys go, yeah, but that guy sucks. Right. You can learn from that guy, too. Yes. Like, watch that guy bomb and figure out not to do that. And then this guy's going to kill and figure out what he's doing. You don't. You're an open micer. you don't know what you're doing. How? First of all, and we're all guilty. We all thought we were better than we were. Oh, yeah. But how dare you judge this guy who's at the at the improv and get your ass in there and watch him, you fucking moron. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I totally agree. I love it. Plus, I loved comedy. I loved watching it. I loved, uh, you know, like I remember that even at that time at the improv. I insisted I be right up against the stage. I had to be close. I had to.
4: Be, I had to be part of it. Um, I bet that guy looked. at you and went. I'll bring him up. You looked eager. You like probably I, had that fire in your eyes. Like, come on, let I'm me up. Sure, I did. And then <laughs> he made it, a
0: mistake. He made a big mistake. Yeah. And you don't remember who that was. Nobody seems to remember who this guy was. It, it, I've been was asking for history. thirty really? years. Really. Well, no, 28 years, I've been asking.
4: I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll ask around and I'll call you. I'll find out. I'll find out. I'll, find out. I'll try to find out. of you. I got the act, what you're saying now, but I, I don't remember. I
2: don't. You've asked Rick Overton, too.
4: I
0: don't know. I asked Rick Overton, and all of a sudden, aliens got involved. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you know, I mean. <laughs> you know, I don't know. You don't know how that story's going to end. Right. right. They never left, Jimmy. They never <laughs> left. <laughs> Some, some conspiracy theories. They're talking about out. coming and going. They never left. They never. Uh, all right, Rich Schneider is our guest. Uh, we're lucky to have him. He's got the new book, uh, Kicking Through the Ashes. It's all about you in the 80s, well, late
4: 70s and 80s. Yeah. And uh, it's about the era, too. I mean, I cover a lot of different guys. You talk about Hicks and Kennison and Leno, and I cover a lot of different people, Gilbert, Godfrey. I mean, I just cover that era. I just wanted to get the history down. I covered, like, you know, there's all these scenes in the 70s before the thing popped. We didn't know. Like Boston had a comedy scene going on. Chicago had a comedy scene going on. We had a comedy scene going on in Washington, D.C. Houston had one. There were these scenes around the country that nobody knew each other was doing it. Mm -hmm. I remember we were at El Brookman's one time in D.C. And this guy comes in and he says, I'm a comic from San Francisco. And we're like, what? It's like you're out in the desert and you run across somebody. What? (laughs) What do you mean? You do it out there in San Francisco? Yeah, we got a place called the Holy City Zoo out here in San Francisco. What? Yeah, you should come out there sometime. Can I do a guest set here? Like his name was Tony DePaul, and he managed the Holy City Zoo. Yeah. So there were all these scenes going on that you didn't know. I mean, I was doing – I was in Al Brookman's doing it probably half a year or so. And one of my friends from law school – I was in law school at the time – she comes in and says, you know, she saw me you – know, just came to Al Brookman's and saw me. She said, you know, there are guys doing this up in New York City. I was like, what? She goes, yeah, young guys like you. And I, we went up there and I saw three different clubs. There was Catch a Rising Star, the comic strip, and the improv. These three clubs, and we couldn't get as a Saturday night. My friend, she took me up there. Saturday night, couldn't get in any of them but the comic strip, which was on the Upper West Side. I, I sat down in the crowd, watched all these acts. I'm you know, cocky. I'm sitting there going, I'm as funny as this guy. I'm as funny. And then the last guy comes on, and he's got tight material. Yeah. And he's stroking it. And it good material, all about going to amusement parks. He had a bit about the helpless father and son team on the bumper cars. It was Seinfeld. And I went, I got more work to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even then, you could see, he, he 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 had game. He had real game. And this was 78. Wow. Like My yeah. My
0: brother and I happened to go to his first special when he taped a special in 1987 at the Roxy. And we just happened to be walking past the Roxy. Uh, yeah. And the guy goes, uh, hey, we're doing a TV taping in here uh, for Showtime. You want to come in? I think it was for Showtime. And we go, "We go, well, who is it? Goes, Jerry. And I knew Jerry from uh, The Tonight Show. I go, yeah, we're going. And so it was... Bizarre to have been just walking past any of these free tickets and seeing Jerry in, again, 87. He was in comedy. He was big, but he certainly wasn't. No. Jerry no,
4: Seinfeld. you No, no. Uh, but you had to have seen that in the 70s. Yeah. So that was the, all these scenes going on. And then, of course, I had, I had a decision to make. And I came out. I drove out to in the summer of 78. I was clerking for this lawyer in Jersey. And I had to kind of make a decision. I knew I was going to make a decision. And so I said, well, I'll go out and check out. I heard about the comedy store in L.A. So I drove across country, and I thought, well, I'll go to the comedy store, and I'll go up to San Francisco to see this Holy City Zoo. And I came out to the comedy store, and they said, look, you got no chance of getting on here. But the Westwood, we had another club over in Westwood. And you, they had a satellite club over in Westwood, okay. so they, you can't get on Sunset Boulevard. Forget it, man. And now, now, who's going up at Sunset? That is keeping you off the stage. Uh, Letterman, Leno, Richard, some names Pryor. <laughs> Again, give Richard names, Pryor, every night. Richard Pryor, every night. You know, I mean, I, I could see the names on. I didn't know who they were then, but they, the door guy was like, "Forget it, man. You got no chance getting here. Go over there." Okay. I over there. I couldn't get on over there. And I, and, I, and a friend of mine who lived out here, her, she was a huge pot dealer here in, in L.A. That she I grew up with, her, and she moved out here and got so she had great weed and I was bringing it and using it to bribe the door guys to get in every night you know because the place was packed And let me stand in the back and I'd give him a couple of joints and that was it and at the end of the week I was out I can't remember what it was I used to think it was Kenison but I don't think it was Kenison now because it didn't seem like a time but so whoever was the door guy I'm standing on the parking lot and we're smoking a joint and I said I'm thinking about moving out of here and he says look man th- this shocked me he goes I'm a comic I can't get on here and he was working the door. I go you're working the door you're a comic I was like what and he said, "Yeah, I can't get on here. I'm, I'm, I am am i can not get on here. Don't come here." So I thought, I'm, "I'm moving to New York." Then, then I just decided I was going to move to New York. So I skipped San Francisco and just went home, moved to New
0: York. You didn't even take the, you didn't even make the visit to San
4: Francisco. No, I didn't. Even just go. right back to no, uh, the no, East Coast. No. no, I got, I got high. I got high, and I, said, I'm, I'm, I got other plans. I went up the Rockies and camped for a while, did mm. some acid. And it was just, it became a different trip. <laughs> literally, literally, literally became literally. a different trip. Uh, You go back to, we got to take another break, but you
0: go back to New York and then you were married to Carol, Carol Leifer for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And
4: she was, was she now, did you meet her doing
0: comedy? Oh yeah. Yeah. We were both stand
4: up comics. And and when I moved to New York in 79, I met her. I had another girlfriend who was Italian, not like Italian American, Italian, Italian. Her dad worked at the Italian embassy in DC and she was going to go back to finish grad school in Italy. And then she moved back and Carol and I sort of. Yeah, Met? you know, you know what I mean? You, look, you know, there weren't many women comics then. So, you know, and there weren't many people keeping our vampire lifestyle, you know. Right. Three in the morning, you look around. The waitress. Oh, there, there's a comedian over there. You
0: know? So, so uh, to that end, I mean, it, it, was, it was Carol probably,
4: was Kathy Ladman part of that scene at that no, point? No, Kathy wasn't there then. Not yet. Not yet. I think Kathy came in the early 80s, I think, like 80. I don't, I don't want to say what Kathy came in, but she wasn't there when I. What about Toadie Fields? <laughs> What about? That's a nice joke for <laughs> no, anybody
0: over the age of sixty. I'm,
4: when, when I got to New York at seventy-nine, and it's in the book, and I can't—you can look at the names of the book—but half a dozen women comics, right, in all of New York. So you, Abby Stein, Carol Um uh, its just not a, there weren't a lot. Uh, so you and Carol click. You got you're married. How long are you married for? Uh, Eighty-one, I think. When the divorce was finalized in early eighty-six. All right, five years. Yeah. All right. Yeah. all right, yeah. I don't know what the smirk yeah. is, but uh, well, you know, there's two comics married. I mean, you know, there was a there was a lot of you know it's a me, me, me. I me, mean mine. I me, mean mine. I mean, mine. So we got two of it going. I me, mean mine. I mean, mine. So you know, you kind of trade off the best you can, but you know, there were fights for material. There was there was you know, it's not anybody's fault. And we're on the road all the time, and we're we're just struggling to make our careers happen. I remember I'll tell you the story. I don't know, it's not in the book. It doesn't matter. So we go meet this uh, um, uh, manager. Right. We got, we were with this agent. He says, you're going to go meet this manager. You know, I'm going to meet the manager and he's going to help you out. I go, okay. So we go over to this manager. He sees this, he says, I, you know what I see here? He's like old schooler. His name was Harvey Elkin. He says, you know what I see here? Nichols and May, mm-hmm. Nichols and May, look at this blonde haired William, and you the Jewish got the reverse situation here, whatever, but it's fit. won't you guys work up an act together? Work up an act now we're two stand ups go work up an act together, so we go out to work. the next gig we got is coming up real quick, Warren, Ohio and Pittsburgh, a little midwest run, so what we'll do is we'll we'll uh you know, we'll try to work out some bits, you know, we could work together. Then we'll, I'll do some time. You do some time. And then we'll, at the end, we'll, we'll, we'll work as bits together. And you know what happened, man? We, 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 she does her time then I headline, I close and then I bring her back out. And we, we do these bits and we improv and all and at the end of it. We're like fighting on who got the most laughs. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? You, you come I was getting a laugh there. and You had to say that. You could, You know. We're, now, were you fighting it becomes, becomes because like you're
0: a, all doped up? Is that possible that maybe uh, that plays into this at
4: all? You can never discount the effect of alcohol and drugs. All right. <laughs> all right. And any of this. That might have been a factor. But I think there was also a factor of like we're just used to working by ourselves. Right. And so we just weren't accustomed to being. We weren't in a band. We were just strictly solo artists. Yeah, you didn't and want to sure, we, you do not want to show the spotlight, or or could we figure out how to negotiate it? You know how to I want to do this and you're doing that, and, and I'm used to saying what I want to say and not having anybody edit me or cut me off or. Right. We just weren't used to it. We just weren't accustomed to it. Yeah, you understand about cutting off? <laughs> <I> too. Yes,
2: <Yeah. laughs> this is all starting to sound very much like this was all planned. <laughs> this was it. Rich doesn't even have a book. This is like an intervention. This
0: is go to. Listen, I got to think, this guy doesn't stop interrupting me. I'm going to have you come in. I'm going to do a bunch of stories up front about Merv Griffin, and then I'm yeah. going to get to this. Yeah, very subtle.
2: Yeah,
3: very,
4: right?
0: Yeah. Very Glad smart. I could,
4: Glad I could be of service. <laughs> Thank
0: you, Rich. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back with more, Rich, later, right after
1: this.
2: Hey guys, Matt here with some dates for you. Rich Scheidner is on Twitter at Rich Scheidner, R-I-T-C-H-S-H-Y-D-N-E-R check him out there also check out his new book kicking through the ashes which we've been talking about fantastic according to jimmy and i believe him it sounds great and if you want to know more about rich uh, you can watch the jordan brady documentary i am comic i highly recommend that as well let's see jimmy dipardo is going to be doing stand-up comedy at penguins and cedar rapids on the 4th and 5th of november then he's at the comedy attic in bloomington indiana on the 27th and 28th of january On the 29th of January, Never Not Funny is live at uh, the Comedy Attic in Bloomington. I will be there with Jimmy to do a show. And uh, you can get tickets now. Go to the Bloomington uh, Comedy Attic website and uh, or just click the link on, on our site to get tickets to that. Uh, going backwards, I'm going to go back to the, more, the, the top of the list here. We are going to be at the Now Hear This Comedy Podcast. Not comedy, just the podcast festival in Anaheim on the 28th. That's this Friday. Hope you can make it out. And we're at uh, Wise Guys in Salt Lake City on November 17th. So, hope we see, see you all there. Uh, I'm going to also mention Elliot's doing his show, which we just talked about, or maybe we're about to talk on the show. Um, the Nightmaresicle is Saturday, the 29th of October, just in time for Halloween. 7 p.m. show. Go to fraudwayla.com for more info on that. And finally, our friend Chemda from the Keith and the Girl podcast, she is the girl, uh, has been dealing with some health issues. Uh, she had a tumor that was recently removed. And uh, you, if you want to know the whole story, you can go to katg.com slash rwmn and you can find out more details or uh, if you want to help support her uh, paying for all the medical costs that she has incurred please go to youcaring.com slash the girl and like i said you can find out more at Keeping the girls website katg.com finally go to uh, nevernotfunny.com and click the tour link or jimmypardo.com for his dates click the tour link there enjoy
0: now I'm tired of talking about these guys, but I can't stop talking about them on, off the air, or even when we do a bonus show live in Zanies, where I were and you were the Matinbo.
2: A plug, you know that that Zanies show, those two Zanies shows in Chicago last weekend. That was the first time. Uh, that there were two pairs of Mott Bows on stage at a Never Not Funny show, because I don't think I've ever worn my Mott Bows at a show before. You always wear them, every performance.
0: Every performance is the Mott Bow.
2: But I... One of my many pair of Mott & Bows. I only I, have three. I joined you in that, and uh, I gotta say... Great shows, right? Great shows. Now it's now it's gonna be like a, a thing that is like a superstition thing that I'm gonna always wear them.
0: The very superstition.
2: Also, they're comfortable, so it's nice to be comfortable on stage.
0: Do they... Li- now, there's Mott bow Do they listen to these ads, Matt? Yeah, somebody over there listens to them. Well, in that case, then you should understand that what Matt just said is he and I both wear the jeans on stage and talk about them. Branding. (laughs) Sponsored by. Would not be a bad idea for future live Never Not Funny shows. Matt and Bo, get on the stick. Or just send me another pair. Nope. I'd rather they (laughs) sponsor our tour. All right. These are handcrafted jeans made from premium denim. Focus on the superb denim quality. Great look
2: and feel. That Matt just spoke about. Extremely comfortable. Look, they're they're blue jeans on the outside, but they might as well be sweatpants on the inside as far as your skin is concerned. All right. Send Matt another pair.
0: <laughs> uh, they started under $100. They got a free at-home uh, program. Try it on at-home program. Uh, and the deal gets even better for you. The Never Not Funny listener, promo code Pardo, is going to give you 20% off. What? Jimmy, that sounds like you're misreading it. I'm not, sir. Thank you for pointing it out, though. Who was that guy? That was a guy that should not be in the studio,
2: and the next time he's uh, here, I'm going to punch him in the mouth. Is that your voice double for when you're feeling sick and you need a guy who sounds a lot like you to just come in and yell a couple of things? Yes, I'm as famous as Eddie Murphy <laughs> or Tom Hanks. I have that. That's like the Tom Hanks brother guy. Yeah. Now, these things, Matt Matt could
0: not have made this more clear with his blue jeans, sweatpant analogy. Ridiculously comfortable, premium handcrafted. These jeans are dynamite. Now, these guys are a startup as well. Great, revolutionary in the way that people buy jeans online with the price point. Uh, no ugly back pocket embroidery. There's no weird stitching. Just simple aesthetics for great looking jeans.
2: You Jimmy, understand? I love them so much. I just realized I wasn't even thinking about it. I'm wearing them right now.
0: Oh, Matt, I thought you were wearing sweatpants.
2: So did my not, ass. Not, but not, then not, I realized,
0: not, no, these are blue jeans. Matt and Bo. They make jeans uh, themselves. They, too, have their own factory. They ship directly to you. They eliminate the retail markups. Typical of these luxury denims. Now, you're unsure about two waist sizes? Here's what you do. Use their try-at-home program that I talked about. Uh, you get an additional size for free to try at the comfort in the comfort of your own home.
2: Keep the one that fits perfectly. Send the other one back. Pre-printed, pre-paid label. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be easier. You understand what I mean by that? You can also you know, just say something nasty to them when you send them back. Like, get out of here. You yeah. don't fit. It's a nasty pair of jeans. The jeans don't mind. <laughs>
0: They start rolling out jeans now at the 30-inch length, which is great for uh, you shorter guys. Uh, these jeans are already uh, way under quality. Uh, nope. No, they're way over quality, way under priced. Yeah, I'm under quality as far as a broadcaster goes. <laughs> these jeans, or a reader... Uh, The deal got better for you. As I mentioned, you go to M O T T A N D B O W. M-O-T-T-A-N-D-B-O-W.com. Use the promo code PARDO. You're going to get 20% off. I love them. Matt loves them. My wife loves them. You will love them. Mott and Bow. Never not funny. A match made in heaven.
2: I'm just slipping on Mott and Bow's.
0: Everybody, hey everybody! Welcome back to the program, episode nineteen twelve. So I went out to use the restroom, uh, and then did some business with the doors. You were doing laps, make you guys video. laugh. I got to get my my counts, my walks, my steps in, sure. my walks in. <laughs> yeah. old man. Uh, this was the guy didn't even knock and leave the mail here. Just dropped it off, huh? and it's to us. It's never not funny. All right. So that means, uh, Rich, we got to open that up. Look oh at wait, it. you got the mail? tool ready? Look at that.
2: Oh man, you know what? I even I haven't set it up yet, but I got some. Some new cabling to actually have the music in our mix instead of holding the phone up uh, like an amateur. So, but that'll all be next right. time. This time I'm still gonna be doing it the old fashioned way.
0: All right, here we go. The old fashioned. Here we go. Uh, There's
2: a possibility this is from a sponsor? And uh, so that'll be weird. no. It doesn't look like it is. No, you don't think so. No. Okay. Um.
4: It's 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 addressed to NNF. There's no way that's just thick it. enough. Is this is like a Hitler thick desk, and I duck behind this case. The explosion. <laughs> yeah, <all> yeah, you certainly
1: got that. Oh, sure
4: jump right in. I didn't. Here I'll. There we go. I haven't heard a track in a while. <laughs> <laughs> that's quality. That's good, right?
1: Hey, it is that quality. All
0: right, there's our uh, mail theme song. Uh, so we get to open up the mail.
1: Uh,
2: what the f? That's a weirdly. It looks like they folded it over. Have, I have a tool. You have the knife. Use it.
0: Well, don't yell at me.
4: That's he, not going to solve anything. He didn't want to cut his wrist open. I no. didn't, actually. I was that's scared I to it. death of it.
1: Ah, motherfucker. This is, that's
4: good. That... <laughs>
1: It's like, you, it's like you've
4: never gotten mail before. Shut up, he wasn't a boy scout.
0: <laughs> oh, this is from Joe uh I was a Boy Scout. And I got kicked out <laughs> for being a,
4: a sarcastic asshole. Uh Joe Pacheco? You get you? a badge for that? There was a badge no, for that. We got a badge <laughs> for that. Well, good for from you. Jersey, I don't know what happened to you, man. We had badges <laughs> for that.
0: Uh God damn it. If you just cut it a Oh it's a Kiss and Makeup The Gene Simmons book A fan uh, sent that along to us nice. Is there any sort of A note on here As to why this happened
2: <laughs> That is odd
0: Wait it has no uh, There's not even There's no note whatsoever
2: hmm. Okay That's a weird sort of terrorism <laughs> So is <laughs> you interrupting Like that also looks like don't Nothing?
0: Had- I get nothing for that, you drag offs
2: No, I, I liked it internally. Um, I have never read this book. I've I, read a lot of oh, uh, really? the Kiss books. I was going to say, I've the, never read. That's one of the weird things about this gift is that I would have assumed you... No, I've not it. read it. I've just, and it? I've
0: just finished reading uh, Rich's book, so I'm, I'm ready to go. There you, you're, you're there you are. I just read Springsteen's book. How is that? Mm-hmm. Love it. Is it great? Loved it. Yeah, you, does he does he tell stories? Is it, is yeah, it is yeah? He it tells stories,
4: but he he writes. He talks about the experience, the creative experience, and it, it's so well written. I mean, it's lyrical. I mean, it's like his songs. It's really I loved it. Cool. It's very revealing. Do you
0: like his music? <laughs> it's
4: seventy four, yeah. Uh, but so,
0: Joe, I thank you.
4: Uh, for the book, I why does it, that have
2: like a library dust jacket over it? I think he stole it from the library. <laughs> I, <think laughs> I like
4: Look at yeah, yeah, the back, it's very
0: Look at the back, it, it's does, got that little it does look up. like that, doesn't <laughs> so it? weird, you're right. Why does it have that,
2: Matt Belknap? I don't know.
0: I think i think he stole it from
2: the library. It's just, or he just does, wants it to be in pristine mint condition. Well, I'll put that off to the side. That's nice. Uh,
0: I've seen. I've only seen Springsteen once in concert, Rich. That seemed to be enough for. I, and I'm a fan, but once in four hours is enough. It's a long show. It's a long show. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I guess if somebody invited me again, I'd go. But uh, uh, and I enjoy him. I've got a couple of his long plays. Uh,
4: <laughs> but, but I want to read the book because I think it'd be great. Yes, it was really good. Um, yeah. Is that your favorite artist? Probably, probably my favorite band of all time. I mean, you go Beatles when I was young, and the Stones, of course, but. I mean, I you know, I'm from New Jersey. I I was back in my hometown with nothing to do and nowhere to go, and that it came out. There was two albums. I I, I got the first two. I got them both. Well, oh, the one came out at seventy three. I got them both in seventy four, and I started playing. And then seventy five, the summer seventy five, Born a Run came out. Here it comes. Yeah, and I went. I started law school, and I came back for the the Christmas vacation to come back to my hometown. And a guy I used to bartend with had tickets to see Springsteen at the Tower Theater in 75 it was like he did all these Christmas shows and Born and Run was getting huge and you knew it was the last time he was going to be in like a 1500 seat theater the tower's only at 1500 yeah 1500 200 2000 somewhere in there 1500 seat theater and he his date bailed whatever. whenever he said you want to go I was like "I'm gone man gone gone and that was it I was hooked badly I don't see him a dozen times yeah you like love that. him yeah I do I do he's now, my favorite then
0: uh, second's got to be then uh, Bon Jovi Based on <laughs> your, your map. <laughs> yeah. Do you like him at all? Does Bon Jovi come into your life at all? Richelle? No,
4: no. What well, do you have the original? i will going to go do the knockoff for it.
0: Right. What about John Cafferty the Beaver Brown Band? How do you feel about them? you got any thoughts on that?
4: <laughs> I haven't thought about it since the 80s.
1: That was fantastic. All
4: right. I'm just curious. I got to know what you're all about. Oh, yeah. I, I like about Michael Richelle. Paré, but I, 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 oh. I his depiction was excellent. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't That was really funny when I came out. I think my, probably my second one would be Elvis Costello. Okay. Love nice. Elvis Costello. But that's, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's hard to start rating groups you like and all. But I've seen, you know, I've seen so many. I used to, I think the best show I've ever seen like that, but I was probably high as a kite, was Bob Marley. That was probably, because I danced the whole time. Everybody just danced the whole time. And it was so much fun. Yeah, the last time we was had a great show. You laughed for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that, that was
0: really good. <laughs> you reviewed
4: us being anything to us.
0: So
2: it's, it's nothing. <laughs>
0: You know, speaking of Elvis (laughs) Costello, you're bringing that up and something you said earlier, like the first laugh. The first laugh I remember getting from a stranger was at a record store in Peacock Alley at Ford City Mall uh, when Elvis Costello's first album came out. And I don't even remember what I said, but I made some joke about him on the album cover. Because uh, he's got that weird pose or his knees yeah, are Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember turning to my brother, making some sort of joke about the cover. Because we were Kiss fans. And Elvis Costello probably looked like a nerd or a dork or whatever. He yeah, did, back yeah, then. yeah. So I made some joke. And some teenage burnout went, all right, man.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: and and made- laughed. And I was like, yeah, that that feels great. You Comics remember their first laugh. I I interviewed once. Uh, this is when we were, we were talking about we were doing I am comic, and, mm-hmm. and we interviewed Irwin Corey, Professor Irwin Corey, who's still alive. He's like 101 years old now. So we interviewed him back like five six years ago, and he's smoking weed the whole time. He's like hilarious. He's like 95 years old, and I go, "Do you remember your first laugh?" He goes, "Yes, the Brooklyn Jewish Orphanage, 1923. I was eight years old. Whatever it was, you know." He just and he t- he s- does the poem that he got a laugh from really? class with. He remembered the first, like most comics, remember that first laugh. You remember how you got, what it, it was like, oh, oh, that little, I, that, that worked. That yeah, worked. Yeah,
0: yeah, I like that. Uh, it, but by the way, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because I, I was remiss to do so. The, the movie, I Am Comic, Jordan Brady's uh, right. first comedy documentary sort of thing, basically
4: was about you getting back into comedy, right, into in stand-up. It wasn't, what, it was it? we did this book, uh, Mark Schiff and I put this book out right. called I Killed. So Jordan came up to me. This was like 2005, and he's 2006. Or a couple of years later, Jordan comes up and goes, I want to do – I love Die killed. We just happen to see each other. I want to do a documentary about stand-up comedy. I said, well, let's do it about what it means to be – let's try to get more into it than just road stories. Let's mm-hmm. just do something more than road stories. So as we're doing it, you know, I haven't been in the clubs in a long time. I couldn't even watch stand-up comedy when I got right. away from doing it. Well, and we're just, I, I, I don't want to interrupt yeah. you, but I do want to know this because I'm fascinated by it. Because
0: you, in your book, you could tell, and even talking to you today, you could tell you have a passion for stand-up comedy.
4: Why did you leave stand-up comedy? I lost sight of why I was doing it. That's the honest most... I, I you know, the, I got into doing it because it made people laugh. I never got into this to be rich and famous, and that's been working out real well. <laughs> but I got into doing it because I got hooked on people laughing. I always loved people laughing. When I was a kid, all the way through, I liked making people laugh. I, was, right. I didn't realize how funny I was until I started doing it. All my old friends went, you were always funny. And then... I got into it like, oh, you know, come in New York, then come to LA, and you're out here trying to make it. Then it's like, now I'm trying to be something. Okay. And I didn't make that something. And I got angry oh, and didn't understand You didn't make that You know, back, back in my time, and this is my, my era, you know, you had to get a sitcom. All the guys who, who had started with, who were. I, I'd i I'd lost. A, I'd, I'd done five pilots that didn't turn into sitcom, and my agent's like, you're not getting another one. There were only four networks then, and five, you know, I'd burn out on one twice, you know? And so he says, you're not getting a sitcom you're not going to and I knew I wasn't a good enough actor to get cast again you know I just didn't feel like it. you felt as an actor that the only way
0: for you to get the show was to be the show that's right I get it that's right oh, I, I when, I, it. when
4: I go into auditions I always choke because I always started becoming self-conscious mm. the only time I when I got married with children people go, oh you got married with children I we go into audition for for the I know I'm jumping around a little bit you know how right. you go to network there's three of you go right so this, there's we're sitting in the hallway waiting it's it's Fox is the, a network's not even on yet mm-hmm. whatever this year was 86 or whatever 87 we're sitting in the hallway there's three of us there to go we've already been Through the producers the we've producer, all gone through we've right. all gone through the producers like eight auditions to get to this point right now the network's going to be there so this is the last one I'd done this before with Cheers with Woody Harrelson so I knew the, we were down to the final the final call on the network. So there's three of us sitting in the hallway. The two producers come in, the guys who created the show, right? Ron Levitt, Michael Moy, to come walking in. The actor across from me jumps up, runs, and hugs Michael Moy. Hey, buddy! And Michael Moy's like, You're going to love LA. You're going to love it here, cool. man. You got your bag. Put it in my car. You stay in my house. It's your own place. And then Michael Moy and Ron Levitt walk in. And I go, It's over. I look at the third actor. He looks like Lee Harvey Oswald, gut shot. He looked like Jack Ruby just got it. He's been over. He's like, Done. He's done. I'm going, I got to leave. Forget it. I'm leaving. Why even bother audition? This guy's got the role, right? They come and grab me first. Rich, you're in right now. I walked in. I didn't care. I did not care. I made fun of everything. I was joking. I was loose, sarcastic asshole number one, right? Right? I went back, reverted to old school, and I walked out. I didn't care. I really didn't care. Did the audition. Walked out. They told me. Ron Levitt told me later. I became friends with him later. He said, "When you left, you know, when the three were over." The network's like, it's that funny guy. That guy, the guy and and Michael Moy's trying to get his friend in going, but he's a trained actor and you know, he's great. He's going to be like, no, 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 forget him. It's that wisest. That's the character. That's the guy. So they push me over his buddy, which means I won the role and lost the role at the same time because Michael Moy couldn't wait to get rid of that He was role. never on board with you. Right? right. So that's the only time I ever got a role that I can remember to really get one. Everything ah. else was just given or, you know, like, so I never thought I was going to be that. And then I just got bitter about it. I got bitter. I got. I put expectations on, on my career. Like, I should be certain place. I'm, everybody tells me how funny I am. I got reviews that show how funny I am. I got things. I've done Tonight Shows, Letterman. Why am I not getting to the next, the next level? Just got to bitter and, and depressed, and just I started writing for TV and just started doing less and less stand up till one day I wasn't doing it anymore. And, but you were still writing, or you, you eventually bailed on that? I, too? No, I was writing for TV. I had to make a living. I had kids. I had two, right. two kids at the time. So, I was doing writing for TV, but you know, all of a sudden I'm on antidepressants. Um, um, and it just started sliding down, just sliding, just sliding. And mm. then when Jordan came along, we do this thing, we're doing it. I had not gone around, I had not gone to the clubs. I had not watched live stand up. I wouldn't watch it on TV. I avoided it like, you know, like a drug addict would avoid heroin. Right. I mean, I just avoided it. And we go, now we're into the clubs. And one night he just saw me looking at it with that look of just complete lust, just watching some young comics on stage, and he went, Hey, what do you think? You want to try it again? And it was like, what? He says you want to try it again. I was like, okay, all right, and that started it. And then, how many had you done a bunch of sets, or is it all? Uh, no, 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 no. It was, it was like we were talking before. I mean, there, there things are things that sort of like you know a little bit rigged, a little bit okay, little kind of you know because. But in terms of doing it, I hadn't done it at all, and I got up, and I had like MC'd a couple of things over the years that were just benefits right just going to introduce somebody, you know, but not going on but and you some, stand up. somebody
0: could walk in right now and say, "Hey, I'm going to host
4: this and you'd be great at it. Yeah, anybody. yeah you could just, I'm just introducing the next act. It was just a benefit. I'd done that a couple times over those 13 years, but in terms of going and doing stand-up, I had not gone up, and I was flat, you know, stand- up, flabby. I mean, I had no muscle, I had no ability to connect. connect but that one night we did the liquid zoo, it was like a terrible. Open mic, you know, open mics are just comics performing for comics. It's the worst possible audience. I mean, you know, we got to the point where there's so many comics now. Comics outnumber the amount of audience numbers available. Yeah, (laughs) we outnumber the audience. Agreed. (laughs) And so, I just started ripping a little bit. I got off and started ripping. The place I got again back to sarcastic asshole. I slipped back in that and started getting some laughs. And that went okay. I got that feeling. I got that little high. Mm-hmm. And Jordan got it on camera because I walked down the parking lot. He's like, "How you doing?" I go, "Yeah, yeah." yeah I did. did That's a nice line. I did a nice long line there. <laughs> you know, I started feeling a little bit. So that was enough to get me again going back. And but I had to go back and do it and do it and try to build an act up. You know. And did you build it to the forty-five? And, yeah, I and- built a new act. I built new stuff, and I brought some old stuff back that I could use. But it's new stuff, you know. I'm mean, talking about things that are different. I mean, I want to go talk about it. I can't talk about answering machines. I'm talking about cell phones. I mean, you know. You know, you, you know and so there's certain things that just die naturally, but there's certain things that brought back. I brought back. Hang a, on. I oh, should oh, drop yeah. my answering sure. machine bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is that okay? Okay, guarantee take a note on that if you
4: would. So, not, not when you go to Eastern Europe. Oh, bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> All right, I love
0: it there. So I interrupted you though to mm. get my laugh and a half.
4: There were things. There were jokes that I, I started going through old notebooks and I found this joke that I, I I went to like the first Earth Day back in the 70s, right? And the, they were talking about, oh, we can save the planet. We can we got to save Mother Earth. We got to save planet. And I was standing there thinking, how are we going to save the planet? We're the problem. People are the problem. I mean, these streams aren't polluted because the beavers are using asbestos in their mm-hmm. building supplies. <laughs> you know, we're the problem. And so I said... You know, you can't be the problem and the solution. I mean, if you're really a dedicated environmentalist, the best thing you do for the planet is kill yourself. <laughs> right? So I did that joke. I tried that joke back in – when I first started, back in the late 70s. Booed. I'm not I'm – not, not you laughed, right? Booed. Booed. I was booed. Audiences, rock audiences, anywhere. They booed me, so I dropped it. I brought it back five, six years ago. Now everybody's cynical going, yeah, we, we're done. We're done. The planet's done. We yeah. have no chance of saving this thing. They laugh now. That joke over 30 years old came back and worked. Mm-hmm. So things changed with some things, you know, we're able to. It was just fun. It was just fun coming back. And are you doing shows I, all the time? You're doing it. I'm working. I'm working again. Yeah, Good. Working. Yeah. I just did one down in Carlsbad Saturday night. Just just working. Love it. Where's Carlsbad? Why can't I think of where Carlsbad is? By San Diego. San Diego. Oh, it's where yeah. I went to. Legoland
0: and Lake Legoland. I went to the yeah. Gulf. Uh, yeah. Who cares what you did? <laughs> Why do I feel the need to fill every second of air? <laughs> Yeah, that's when I went and saw that. Nobody gives a shit where you were at and why you know where Carl's bad is. I love you you heckling yourself. I love you heckling yourself. I have to, because if you did, I'd get mad at you. So I do it to make sure that I do it before you make fun of me.
2: In your defense, though, if you didn't say that, then someone would have tweeted or emailed like, you know, Jimmy, you went to that golf (laughs) thing in Carl's bad. You should remember. Oh, you guys really don't remember anything that you talk about.
0: Uh, No, but you got got three kids.
4: Yeah. Right? Yeah. And... uh, uh, Some are grown. Is that the? Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two are two. Well, one's still in school. Like a 26 year old, 21 year old up in UC Davis, and I got a 16 year old at home who's a, uh, you know, he's a werewolf, man. He's a He's going through that transition. Yeah, what? hair sprouting out. You know the, Just, just you know, just gonna hang on there. Just try to get him through this transition until he comes human again. <laughs> were you like that when you were 16? Oh man, I was. But I, yeah, yeah, I was angry. I was very angry, 16 year old. What were you? What were you mad about? Uh, you know, uh, we had a, we had a rough, we had a rough, it wasn't a rough childhood. It was middle class. I wouldn't say we were in a poor or anything like that, but there was a lot of alcohol and alcohol leads to a fighting and, uh, and, and sometimes you're small. You can't fight back at first. So you gotta wait till you get bigger to fight back. So there was a lot of tension in the house. There was a lot of anger. Fighting back yeah, with at, your dad? Oh, me? yeah. Okay. Yeah, my dad and I. My dad and I, had a, we, we had fistfights when I got older. Oh,
0: Jesus. Yeah,
4: yeah. We, I shot at him with a gun. Hang on. Yeah. I may have misunderstood what you just said. It sounded like you shot at your dad with a gun. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. go well, ahead. We went hunting. I saw an opportunity. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and he understood, too. He never took me hunting again. He understood. He understood. <laughs> he, understood. he understood. You yeah. shot at him. Yeah, yeah. He understood there was no rabbit six six. Uh, you know that high up on a the tree. There was did no, you miss on purpose? No, I did not miss on purpose. I just didn't aim properly. I tried to make it look like it was an accident. I had it slung over my, my arm and I just was pulled the trigger and he was like, What the you know, what are you fucking you know? I was like, I, were, I, I was just checking to see if the uh, I was only thirteen. I was like just second checking to see if the safety was on by pulling the trigger, that's how you check to see if the safety was on. <laughs>
0: You were 13 years old
4: yeah. and you wanted to shoot your yeah, dad. Yeah, 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 wow. yeah, yeah. Jeez, Did he know you? So he, he knew. You did he know, he knew. Yeah, we talked about it years later. We're both cool, man. My dad got sober, I got sober. We've we've cleaned up a lot of stuff. So this is not any kind of secret he's going to go if you ever heard it you go, "Oh Jesus, well, I well, don't know well, that," you know. <laughs> right. He knows. He knows. We talked. And what about, like, when you come home after the hunting trip, uh, your mother says, how'd it go? You go, out oh, the fucking kid shot at me. <laughs> he know, he, no, we didn't cop Nobody, it. Nobody. No, it was like, he knew what happened, but no, he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. He just never took me hunting. He took my brothers, my younger brothers. They went hunting on it. He never took me. He knew. He knew. And I knew. I knew, I knew what I did. Oh, oh did you know? What I, yeah, was, yeah, I didn't I come mean, out and say knew. I tried to get you, but I knew because I, I, I knew the safety was off and I squeezed the trigger. I mean, you know, that, I knew what I was doing. I didn't pull the gun up to my shoulder and aim it at him. I was just trying to make it look like an accent, but I wanted to get him. So what would it, now? Think back to it. Let's pretend you hit him. What do you? Don't you? At the, at the
0: second it hits him, you regret doing that.
4: Theoretically, yeah. yeah, sure, okay, yeah, I would think so. I would think so. I mean, I'm not an evil person. I'm not a psychopath, sociopath, and maybe close sometimes, but but no, I, I think I would know that absolutely. All right, I would feel bad. It was it was a crazy, you know, crazy thing. I was. You know, I had panic attacks when I was like eight years old. I mean, you know, panic attacks. I just lay in bed and couldn't breathe, couldn't move. I didn't know what they were. Nobody talked. I did know Oh, you should see a psychiatrist for this. Uh, you know, right. You just, you just, I, I didn't know. I thought maybe other people do it or I. Nobody talked about anything. So I just suffered through these things. I mean, I had a lot when I, when I first drank and I was like 11 years old, 12 years old, whatever it was, you know, it was like, there's relief, man. There was relief. I see. You know? So I grabbed anything I could. I mean, you used, used to drink when I couldn't get alcohol. You know, when you're 12, 13, 14, you couldn't. I drank Robitussin with codeine. It was sold over the counter. Robi- I'd, I'd, go in and, I'd go in a drugstore. I'd order it like a Lenny Bruce routine. And I'd take a <laughs> couple of pencils, a notebook, and 14 bottles of Robitussin. You know, I mean, I was, I was just, I needed to get high. I needed to, I need relief. You'd numb yourself. You yeah. wanted to numb yeah. yourself yeah. from what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. And how many brothers and sisters did you have? I had two younger brothers and a younger
0: sister. Okay. You were the oldest, it sounds yeah. like, based yeah. on that math. Um, and are they all still with us, everybody? Uh, I think you're still recovering from the gunshot story. I can tell. It stunned you a little bit. Listen, I've been mad at my dad, not enough to take a shot at him. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's been so... Yeah. Uh, now, Elliot, you hate your father. <laughs> did you ever uh, want to take a shot at him? I, 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 I no. By the way, I, thought, I said that for humor. You I, do not hate
3: your I father. I did not hate my father. But you've I'm, had your issues with your dad. Sure, everybody has issues with their dad, and some dads are... Different.
4: And hey, my dad had it look, we it was just you know, I love my dad intensely now. And he's a funny guy and he's a great guy. And he was back then something I mean, I'd watch him he taught me comedy. I mean he he loved comedy. He had comedy albums, he'd go out and see people live, you know, he'd see mom's maybelly or whatever. He'd go out to clubs in Cherry Hill or down Atlantic City to see comedies, comedians, you know. He was he was into it. I didn't know how much he loved laughing. But on the other side of that, you know, there was darkness, there was anger, there was mm-hmm. darkness, and I, and I understand his childhood he he went through. He was doing the best he could. I mean, he provided for a family. And he was a really hard-working guy. Drank hard, played hard, you know, and worked hard. Was and he like the way. dad that
0: we would see in a movie? Like, he would go to work, come home, drink... Go to bed. Start come, no, he, he,
4: a, he was building a business, so he'd go to work and work all day in his office. Then he'd go out at night to do more business, so he'd come home and, like, collapse, you know, like, to, like pass out and then get up and go out and drink all night. And then ah. the next morning, like, I was – my job was to wake him some mornings, and my mom said, like, get your dad up. You've got to get your dad up. And that was, like, difficult because you knew he was hungover. Like, I learned the hard way, right? Uh-huh. So I'd, it's like you're poking the beast, you know. You're trying to wake him without getting so close he could grab you or, or, or whack you, you know. So it'd be like – Kind of getting his foot or something and get kicked in the head, you know. Right. Just, it was just you grew up with like a different kind of thing than I think. You watch on sitcoms. I, I watch these sitcoms. I'd be like, "Who are these people?" You're like Beaver Cleaver and Ward Cleaver, you know, sitting down at a sun. Let's talk about this. Be like, you know, you get here's you're talking about it. Whack! Don't do it again. And that you know? what late sixties are we talking about? Well, I was I was born in fifty two, so. Oh, we're but talking in in, the yeah, 60s. Yeah, yeah, raised in really? early, through the early 60s. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry, you were born in 52? I was born in 52, What does yeah. it make you? 63. You look great. Feel good. Well, feel a, good man you, you're sober that's what it is right yeah, yeah. I'm in that longevity program yeah
0: <laughs> um, and you uh, you're still friends with the people you started with uh,
4: in comedy or- yeah 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 I, I, I you know we see them on Facebook or see them around but whenever I see them around it's fantastic and you know you know you come up to with these people you know and, and look we're dying and people die people die along the way you talk about Kevin Meany or whatever I just wrote a story about Dennis Wolfberg who died years ago, right. you know, many years ago. But, I rem- but everybody kind of, you know, we remember these things. And I like watching people bringing memories up. But the, I'm at that age where it's like, you know, there, there are people going. Shandling died. And he was a great guy. You know, yeah. All these guys, you miss them. But these guys, you, I didn't come up with him, but, you know, I met him and worked with him. And everybody has these, you know, your generation, you know, you, you, you come up together and you have a particular fondness for each other. I don't disagree. Like, yeah, the guys that I started with in Chicago, some of them don't do it
0: anymore, and some of us do. And yeah, it's... Uh, one surprised me at the comedy club when I was at Zany's the last time, and he walked in, Jim Coretti, and he's like, Jimmy! like, And it was like... You know, you're in the trenches of open mics together. It's Like you saw things that I mean, it wasn't war, but you know what I mean. No, I know. Look, we you're,
4: we we one of these guys. We do these Jersey gigs together, you know, and they were tough and rough and whatever. And those are the guys. You, you go, we, we we looked out for each other. We hung out. We had fun. We had laughs. We had a good time. You know, you only do that one time. You can't go back and do that again. I was thinking about that just yesterday.
0: Uh, I ran it. well. I guess it was when we Bill left uh, the, mm-hmm. the live show. Uh, just think about when you start in county, like all the stupid fun that we had, you know, on the road and all the nonsense of getting drunk and going, you know, doing. Yeah, I'm I, I'm editing myself as I'm muttering. Uh, but it's like you know you know what it's this has been a fun ride. Like that's yeah. what I was thinking. Like this yeah. has been a fun stupid 20-something
4: years of doing this. We, we, we See, every generation is different. What you experience is different. We saw the road happening. When I got to New York, there weren't clubs. You know, in 79, there weren't clubs. There, you, there was no road. There was no work to be had. Everybody had straight jobs, day jobs. You worked at night on the comedy in the daytime. daytime, whatever you do to make money. And then the road happened. So all these experiences you had, you, that's when we talked about how much there was drugs available. We were like rock stars out there. These clubs were packed People, you know, the, all the hippest people come out to watch you in right. town, all the drug dealers, all the hipsters, everybody wanted to hang out with the comics. You were like stars. They'd never seen it before. You know, it's just totally different. And these guys you meet for the first time, I Remember, I remember, you know, Jackie Marling? I, I yeah, know, yeah, you know who he is. I know who right? it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the first time I go, there's a Jersey gig. These Jersey gigs that opened up in 79 were like like early. You know, they were paying gigs for $55. We were like, $55, man. That's, a, you know, my rent was 115 You know, I'm halfway there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so they say, you're meeting a guy. He's coming in from Long Island, him and another guy. And they'll pick you up and take you out the Jersey. Well, Jackie Marlin comes in with this guy named Bob Woods. And they got like this 70s land yacht station wagon. You know, one of the paneling station wagon. I get in the car. They got in the back seat. I'm sitting next to a cooler full of beer. It's got a bottle of wine in it. It's got a thermos full of my ties. They got a half a pint of whiskey up front. They got 15 joints rolled. We got a half hour drive to Jersey. <laughs> we nearly get lost in the Lincoln Tunnel. We got so messed up and we're laughing and laughing and we're all just saying, hey, this show doesn't start till we get there. Right. <laughs> we pulled over and asked a cop to give us directions. We're drunk, man. We're drunk. Hey, can you tell us Yeah, boys, go this way. We're like drunk. We're like just holding joints down on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us how to get there? Sure, guys. Follow me. You know, you know. We didn't. That you you remember that? You remember that experience? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, great. The book is called Kicking Through the Ashes. Kicking Through the
0: Ashes. And, I, and again, I just finished it. I, uh, I've asked stories, uh, oh, pretending yeah. like I'm dumb, don't remember any of it, uh, so that Rich would tell the stories. It is, if you love comedy, and if you listen to the show, you do. But it is, it, I loved it, Rich. I really Thank did. Thank you. Because it was uh, exactly, obviously, the 10 years before I started. You know what yeah. I mean? And, here, and seeing all of that and seeing, like you said, you paved the road for when I started it, the road was there. That's right. And you guys did that for us. And then we're able to go out there and fail and mutter about. Uh, but the book, it's, it's great. It really is a great that every, that every comedy fan should read your book.
4: I try to cover every angle of stand-up. Hackling stories about, you know, heckling. Yeah. when I got in a fistfight on stage. Or, or I try to cover everything. Joke thievery, you know, everything. I try to cover every angle of it. It's it's great, cool, and Thank uh, you. Thank and,
2: you. and check out I am comic if you yeah, haven't seen it. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. available. Yeah. Is it on Netflix now? I forget. It's iTunes. It's Netflix. all yeah, it's, 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 it's on many realm. different things. But, but you know my
0: thoughts. Don't check out uh, I am Road Comic because <laughs> Jordan made some big mistakes with that one, <laughs> <laughs> and he knows
4: it. And he he's knows it. he's already four past that. He's 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 like Chicago albums. He's the Road Comic fifteen. Right, it now is. That. You're
0: not kidding. It's like yeah. I, I, am, uh, I am Road <laughs> Comic Seven Eleven Edition. It's the guys that just do shows at Seven Eleven. We get it, Jordan. New topic, ass fuck. Uh, all right. On behalf of the Pop Gold Race, Garen Cockrell uh, from uh, back there, Video Control. That's all you'd hope for. The Hunter Map on that. Our new friend, Rich Schieder. My name is you, We'll see you next time on the podcast. AK47, gone, not forgotten.
2: If you enjoy Never Not Funny, why not sign up for the Players Club? You get full video of every episode and an extra show every week when you become a member. Sign up now at podcast.com. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive producers Jimmy Pardo, Matt Belnap, Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information, visit Earwolf.com. Thanks again to Mott & Beau for sponsoring us today. They are ridiculously comfortable premium handcrafted jeans that I'm wearing right this very second. This is a New York City-based startup brand that's revolutionizing the way guys buy jeans online with their price point and free home try-in program, delivering incredible value to their customers. If you're unsure between two waist sizes, just try their home try-on program. You get an additional size for free to try it in the comfort of your own home. You just keep the one that fits perfectly, send the other one back with a pre-printed, prepaid return label inside every box. Couldn't be more convenient, guys. And uh, you get what you really need, and you don't get what you don't need. That's how they do it in Mott & Bow. These jeans are already way underpriced for their quality, by the way. The deal just got even better, though. Go to MottandBow.com, M-O-T-T-A-N-D-B-O-W.com and use the promo code PARDO for 20% off your next pair of jeans. Enjoy. Mott and Bow
0: ronna glickman here from ronna and beverly to tell you this is your big chance to see ronna and beverly live with some of your favorite
1: podcasts also performing comedy bang bang npr's pop culture happy hour spontanea nation with paul f who we adore and lore. The Now
0: Hear This Podcast Festival is October 28th to the 30th in sunny Anaheim,
1: California. It's going to be absolutely fabulous. See all your favorite acts live. Go to NowHearThisFest.com to get your tickets, plus information on hotels and travel. Why not stay for the weekend?